It's never too late to have a happy childhood. Boys, girls, and variations thereupon, this is Modern Escapism. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Oi! Will you put that fucking stick down and stop hitting your little brother? And today I am joined by when he was a child, all he had was a bag of sticks and a lump of coal. It's Biggie. <laughs> Hello. They didn't have a swimming pool growing up as a child, so they simply jumped in the Tyne River. It's Gadget. That's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> What's for breakfast? She asked as a child. Cider on cider, me babber. <laughs> Candy machine. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and finally, growing up as a child, his butler and manservant Giles once said to him, Young sir, please stop suplexing me. It's stick. <laughs> leave my butler out with this. <laughs> we need to get him on one day. We will. Yeah, we will. He, he puts him in his cage on a night. That's him. He does a good job. <laughs> he locks him in the fridge. Yeah. Proper two way to start. <laughs> So, before we get into the podcast proper, we're going to touch on our little patron that we've got. Stig, do you want to take it away? Yeah, so if you um, head on over to patreon.com forward slash modern escapism, you can find uh, some of the stuff that we're doing on there. We have three tiers available on there. Uh, on We have £5 for a modern escapees. That will get you extended editions of this episode where we kind of talk more about the weekly subject, throwing out honourable mentions, and then just have a good old chit chat about random things we also will give you a minimum of one monthly special and right now you're getting even more than that because we are doing uh weekly loki specials so good to coincide with the uh disney plus show so you get spoiler specials and we are planning on doing that for all mcu things and any other films and tv shows that take our fancy the other tiers we have is the five pound for the scotch sheep and that will get you uh, early access to our D&D podcast, Do Dragon's Dream of Scott Sheep. Episode three is out now for all Patreons and will be out tomorrow for everybody else. And it's you already can... up for a BAFTA. Yes. It w- and these are great. Honestly, I, c- I keep saying this on our Twitter, but even if you are into D&D, give them a go because they're a good laugh. And yeah. we and. There's a lot of effort goes into it, and we, we're just having a blast playing this and, and recording these podcasts. So you can also, with that, get uh, any artwork that Candy draws up for the episodes, and you can suggest uh, NPCs and, I believe, items for Gadget. To put yeah, into. And, 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 and they might also get original tracks if and when they appear that we do for uh, music-based incidences. Oh, yes. Music. Mm-hmm. Or if you are feeling ever so flush, £7.50 for the Biggie Bundle will get you everything. Scott Sheep and Modern Escape. It's just the price of a pint in London. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Half a pint. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much for that. So let's start as we mean to go on. Gadget, what have you been doing this week? Uh, so this week I decided to play uh, Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance when it dropped on Game Pass. Oh, it's a banger, isn't it? No, no, <laughs> it's really not. I didn't say that. Oh no, uh, no. So, um, 
as a fan of the original D&D Dark Alliance, which was a PS2 dungeon crawler game in great the game. Diablo style. Oh, was it? It's a little action RPG. Oh, yeah. Mm, it was like, uh, really good. Yeah, it was a great game. In fact, they just re-released it on the Switch mm. and other consoles, I think. PC. Uh, no, definitely the Switch. Uh, yeah, they just re-released that. Um, yeah, so this D&D Dark Alliance is different to that because it's not very good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was very good. That's the box quote. Yep. Uh, general run of it, it is an action RPG um, made by Wizards of the Coast themselves. So the people who do make Dungeons and Dragons have actually developed this game themselves. It's not like a, we've licensed it off to someone somewhere and paid them a fiver to do it. Um, <laughs> it is a, yeah, it's a co-op dungeon crawler, I guess you would say. Mm. Um, the, there are four playable characters. Um, despite this being a D&D game, it's you don't create any characters. You use you're playing as characters from There's no role the, playing. <laughs> nope, from, from the established law, uh, all coming from the um, R.A. Salvatore novels um, that were written for D and D. So that's Driz du Erden, Cassie Bree, Wolfgar, and Bruno Battlehammer. <laughs> and you know what? They suck. <laughs> they suck. The names all suck these, as well. Yeah. Well, no, the names the names are fine. All these I like characters Battlehammer. Are I yeah. know you would. <laughs> <laughs> all all these characters are supposed to be legends within the D law and the like in the Forgotten Realms <laughs> and uh, Icewind Dale and stuff like that. They're all yeah. legends within the law. You're playing them at level one and they can't fucking do anything. How would you be a legend they, at level one? Well, exactly. And it the game's not telling the story of how they became to be legends. Like Driz I've been playing as Drizzt, who um so he's a he's a drow dark elf. Uh, and he's a ranger, so it's um, two swords, lots of very quick attacks, that kind of thing. He is known to the enemies in the world. Like you'll run in, you'll run into a group of orcs or goblins, and they'll go, "Ah, it's the dark elf," and they'll, then they'll start attacking you. Except only when you get close enough, because the AI's fucking broken. <laughs> there has been many a time where I've been kind of stood on the edge of where the the AI can see you, and they're sat just chatting away to each other, bits of uh, generic canned dialogue hurling ranged attacks at them and killing an entire mob without actually having to fight them. <laughs> Which makes no fucking sense. <laughs> um, the, the battles are either far too hard or far too easy. Like, it's it definitely geared towards four players playing at once rather than one player, but... Nobody wants to I've play not, it. <laughs> nobody wants to play I've not died yet. Like, even the wow. hard battles I found easy. Um, I managed to do an end. Of, I, I posted this on my Twitter, and I'll post it. Uh, I'll get Stig to post it on our Twitter as well. Um, I managed to beat one of the end of level bosses <laughs> in less than thirty seconds by completely stun locking him at level three. Yeah, I saw that. Like, Shit, <laughs> it's so fucking broken. And the worst part is the presentation is brilliant. Like it looks D and D. Um, it's got like the graphics are. I know people have been complaining about that. I think the graphics are really good. The art direction is fantastic. I think it's nice and stylized. Mm. Music is wonderful. Like, everything looks and sounds as it should. Just the fucking game doesn't work. <laughs> and it's so disappointing. Um, and I'm really glad that it came to Game Pass on day one so I didn't have to fucking pay for it. <laughs> it's just the trailer. When I watched that, when it was first shown, either the original trailer at the show, I just wasn't impressed, personally. It looked I just, good. I, no, I disagree. I, I thought it looked poor. It looked like a PS3 version of a game i just didn't think it looked particularly brilliant compared to a lot of other stuff that's out and about like but i wasn't ex- i wasn't expecting the, the world from it i mean it, it's a 40 pound game it's not a full price game mm. like i wasn't expecting the world from it but i was expecting it to work it's still mad to hear that 40 pounds not full price in my head yeah right well true yeah <laughs> still mad it's, that 
It's it's not seventy pound on the PS Five. <laughs> so, with the exception of the uh, the lore, is there anything traditional D and D players would recognise, like the battle system? Is it just constant action, or do you actually get to it's, somewhat role play? Nope, it's constant action. It's tr- it it tries to have the combat system from um, the most recent God of War. Yeah, That's it what does. it's trying for. Even to the point where when you uh, lock onto an enemy, the camera zooms in for that cinematic angle, which would be fine if you fought enemies one-on-one, but you don't. You fight them in mobs, so you lose all your peripheral vision. Oh, which that's is not good. really Nope, it's not good in the slightest. Whoever thought that... Oh, and you also can't flick left and right to change whoever you're locked onto. You have to come out a lock-on, turn to face something else, and then lock on again. For me, that's the most egregious part of the gameplay. Yeah. So usually, I mean, nine out of ten shots you're whiffing because you're just hitting in random directions. Um, the the only kind of D and D connections there are so like you you have a character sheet quote unquote <laughs> which is your stats um, and they they use the D and D stats off a D and D character sheet you know um, the moves are probably de- legit, strength aren't strength dex con all that kind of thing any magic spells are from the player handbook yeah. um, that's about it really so oh, essentially one- it's just a sort of um, a generic RPG with a D and D label on then. Yeah. yeah. Also, you have a hub world area where you pick levels with one NPC that you can talk to. And you can't even Perfect. really talk. You can't even really talk to him there. He's just a merchant. You just go up and you open a screen and you can't buy anything from him. It's, um, <laughs> he just upgrades armor when you're there. And the, actually, the most egregious thing, and I know this has put a lot of people off, um, it, does, it wants to be like a little bit of a Diablo style pick up lots of loot kind of RPG. You can't switch gear in a level. You've got to do it in the hub, haven't you? Yep. So you have to you go through oh, this level and see all anthem. this see all this gear that you can get, and then you get back to the hub where you have to, you all go to the central um, center of the hub world, and there's a a, a a treasure chest, and you go one at a time through every yeah. bit of gear. Looty 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 box. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you can't you can't just like do a mass unlock of everything and see it all. You've got to go one by one. Is it worth it? Is it not even the common stuff, not just the rares and the elites, and it's art purgatory. <laughs> So yeah, I wanted this to be good. Yeah, thank God it doesn't glitch at all. It it does glitch, but this this is fucking good. (laughs) This for me solidifies when like Stig says, "I don't like RPGs." This is proof. (laughs) It's just shit. Not like RPGs. I don't like certain RPGs. You won't like this one. (laughs) (laughs) That glitch where you went through the floor or something—that was just yeah, speed running, isn't it? Well, no. It, so that that one's a weird one, that because I went I went to a treasure chest and I pressed the interact button, and my character like looked like he was kind of like humping it for a second, and then he respawned about a hundred yards down the road. It like it seemed to think I was falling off a cliff when I wasn't. Um, yeah, that was that was really weird. Then there's there's other glitches like you know classic classic ones that you would see in um, cyberpunk or something like that, where you kill an enemy and their corpse floats off into an, into another realm. <laughs> yeah, the never realm. Yeah, oh, it's just. If you were to put a number good. on it now for the hours you've put in, out of, out of ten, what would you give it? Critical fail out of ten. Wow! Wow! Yikes! <laughs> Love it. I would, I would, I would, the, there is the kernel of a good game in there, but the problem is there are so many fixes that need to be done, and they also need to really critically rework a few things for it to be yeah. worth playing. Like I don't even with they've promised a couple of patches coming out. I don't think the patches they'll put out will fix it. That's my main issue it's i've still got it installed on my xbox and i'll try it with the next patch but i'm not hopeful oh it's a shame so it's not recommending that to anybody no (laughs) no okay we'll move swiftly along to candy machine 
you been up to? Well, before I tell you my main topic, I want to tell you something that I did this morning because this is the coolest thing ever. Oh, um, I hired a screen at Cineworld to play my PS5. Shut the fridge door. Yeah, yep. I, saw, I saw this. I was like, she better talk about this. I had to talk about <laughs> it. Um, so th- I didn't even realise this was a thing until recently. And apparently they've always done it, but they're sort of having a bit of a push on it now. So, um, yeah, there was five or six of us in the screen, mostly playing Rocket League. But we did play the first hour of Death Stranding and the first kind Ooh. of action sequence to Final Fantasy VII. And the Final Fantasy VII, it's just uh, it's the PS5 version now. So to see it on the big screen, it was just incredible. And I can't begin to tell you how amazing Death Stranding is on the big screen. It's just something else. You, you might as well just be watching a film. It's amazing even, on the small screen. It's amazing on the small <laughs> screen. But for it to hold up at such a degree, to, for it to have blown up so big on the screen and... It hasn't lost any kind of integrity at all. It's just, oh, it's just stunning. So, what resolution was that shown on the screen, and how does that work? Are we talking well, I don't 4K think it's. And... I don't think it could be 4K because I think it's only IMAX screens that are 4K, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm, yeah um, I'm sure. So, I don't think it. I don't think it would be, but the quality is. It's pretty crisp, and just to, it's it's the surround sound as well is just incredible as well. You can hear yeah, can everything all over the place, and you just don't get it. You, you just can't get a home cinema um, surround sound experience like that. It's just, it's just incredible. I bet Stig's got one. <laughs> got that wish. in his house. I wish. So cinema projectors either come in two K or four K these days. Ah, Ooh. so it's probably two K then, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, so you said there were a few of you there. So what you all agreed to go at the same time? And how does that work? I just uh, well, I hired it, and I just invited. She text message your friends and said, yeah. "Come on!" Yeah, I did. Because <laughs> you, you, you hide the screen, you can do whatever you want. You can watch whatever you want. If you wanted to just watch YouTube, you can watch YouTube. What about Pornhub. Um, but yeah, you can take any. Um, <laughs> you could do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but who wants Five to quite that big? Not all. would want to go to that deep fake site of his. Oh god, oh, I would. You need. You certainly would need social distancing, then, wouldn't you? Look at that. Look, <laughs> look, at, the, look at this comment section in, in on, on the big screen. Look, look, there's me. Just move Thatcher's twat out of the way. Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh. We've broken him. Wow. Uh, so that was good, uh, but I watched another film. Uh, it was called Psycho Goreman. Anyone yeah. heard that? Yeah. So good. Yeah, it's the are. most brilliant, terrible movie I've ever seen. It's in, well, certainly in a long time. It's just like an instant sort of cult classic. It's like a B-movie, Willy's Wonderland, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus type thing. Low-budget creature feature gore fest. I love which is Psycho so Goreman. Yeah, it's so gory. It's so more, I thought it was... Uh, so the title is PG, Psycho Goreman, and I thought PG meant parental guidance. No, no, there's heads exploding all over the place, there's blood and guts, there's a human, there's a human brain running around at one point. I think Stig mentioned this before, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Please, uh, please. He showed us some it. photos of it and we were just like, this is not real. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the, the best line in it is just like, Psycho Goma does not care for your muscly boys. Don't care for hunky boys. Hunky boys, that's it. Yeah, and he's just like, oh, does he? <laughs> I need a t-shirt with that on. <laughs> Fucking love it. Have you, have you based Stigveld off him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. 
the main uh, the main girl in it, the little girl, she's such a sassy little cow as well. She's such a, she looks like she's having an absolute blast filming it. She's, she's just, a bellend. She's such a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So the the main showdown is the fight between evil and also evil. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll have to do a director's commentary of Psycho Gone oh, at some so... point. Let's do it now. Well, now, turn this off. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's what that's been my week. So, you recommend both of those things? Yep. Excellent. 100%. Brilliant. That's that's incredible. Biggie, top that. <laughs> Impossible. Um, yeah. So, I watched a couple of things. Sorry, one thing this week, and played a game. So, the first thing I wanted to quickly mention was uh, Hinterland which oh, yeah. I'd seen a few times crop up on Netflix. So I was having one of those moments where I didn't know what to watch, couldn't decide. You should have listened to Modern Escapism. They usually tell you. I hear they have very good recommendations. Mm. <laughs> but um, I grabbed that, and um, it's a crime drama set in the rural lands of Wales. Ooh. And I just found out when I was looking at uh, Wikipedia just for some stuff about the cast, but they actually film each scene twice. <laughs> It's in English, in the, the one that I've watched, and they also do it in Welsh. Oh, that's incredible. Because all the actors are Welsh anyway. So can you imagine filming that twice? Because it's an intense crime drama, you know? There's a lot of, you know, that sort of the, the looks and the sort of the crying and stuff. Imagine having to do that twice. But, um, yeah, it's <sighs> I would it's have really got good. paid twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I've, I've watched um, almost the end of season two now. Um, Richard Harriton plays the lead. Um, he's got this really weird sort of deputy dog kind of look. He's mm. hound dog eyes um, that sort of show that he's a troubled figure as well. There's a past that we don't know everything about. Um, and I still haven't found out by season two quite what's happened. But um, yeah, it's, it's the, the backdrop is beautifully shot, um, but it is a little dreary and haunting in places. And I don't think the Welsh travel board will be happy if they've seen this because <laughs> it just makes it look like you don't want to go to Wales. I'm going to Wales in August for three days to see my mum. Yeah, I mean, so I've been to Wales. Nice. But it, it really shows the rural side of, you know, what people do day to day living there. Mm. And it looks like not a lot happens. People have these really generic jobs to do, which you, you kind of understand it in people Sounds like the countryside. Sounds like you know. But yeah, it's, um, I'm just enjoying it. It's, it's, it's not doing anything different that any other crime show has ever done, but it's just nice that it's in a different Sometimes setting. it doesn't have to break the mould, does it? No. And yeah, the, the, the plots are well-written and uh, mm. yeah, really enjoying it. But apparently it's only up to three seasons, so I'm not sure if it's been cancelled or what, but Ooh. I'm enjoying it so far. But the main thing I wanted to talk about was something that I played last night whilst uh, drinking copious amounts of alcohol. Oh, yeah, um, I did that last night. <laughs> uh, N. friend of the show's birthday yesterday, so... Went round to his and we ended up playing Operation Tango. What on earth is that? Is it a dancing game? No. This oh. was free on PlayStation Plus last month, I believe. And um, it was a PS5 game. And it's developed by a company called Clever Plays, who I think the only other thing they've been involved with is a roguelike called Leap of Faith. Hmm. But this game is co-op only. One person plays a spy, which is in first-person mode. And the other person is basically a hacker. He has like a, a dashboard oh, up on wow. their screen. And to do, it's mission-based, and you're given various objectives to do, but you have to communicate to each other, so you're not supposed to see each other's screens. Like that bomb so, game that came out a few years ago. Possibly. Yeah, there was a bomb game. talking and nobody explodes. That's the one. Yeah. Someone's the diffuser and someone's the, like, advisor. 
Yeah, and, and it's just great fun to play because the puzzles, um, you have to communicate. It's impossible to not. So if you haven't got a headset or anything like that, just don't play this game. It'd be impossible to play. Mm. But um, the objectives, vary, the puzzles vary between time-based and observation. Um, the time-based, you get this real kind of pressure in trying to do it in time. Otherwise, things blow up. Mission failed. It's like instant fail. Um, graphically, it's basic, but it's really colourful. It's quite eye-catching. Um, but it's just different to anything else I've played in the past. And we really enjoyed it. It was really good fun uh, doing these puzzles. So, for example, one puzzle, um, he hacks in, but I can see what he's doing on a little, um, you know, like, um, what's that Tom Cruise movie where he's got the wave and all the technology in front of him? I can't Minority Report. Thank you. It's like that. So there's a little screen that comes up in your hand, and you can see a little bit of what he's doing, but he can only move the um, symbol on the screen left and right, and I control it up or down, and you have to move through these grids, and if it gets caught in the grid, it's game over. So you both have to work together and solving the puzzles, and it's just really enjoy it. It's good I'd be crap at that. There's a bit of, <laughs> you can have a bit of banter with each other when one of you cocks up, but um, it's just the fact that one person is running around as first person for the whole time, and they're running around going into the rooms, and they're saying, right, I can't get into this elevator. I need you to hack it, open the door, take me to level four, so he has to work out what the passcode is. You sometimes have to go into um, the files of people that work in the building. You have to find out the information that you're looking for. So there's a little bit of digging. Yeah, it's just different, different to anything else that I've played. And I uh, really recommend it if you've got a PS5. If you've got a PS5. If be in the alternative comment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's it for me, mate. No, that's brilliant. Lovely. Um, Stig. Uh, yeah, so last week I've been smashing for a few TV shows. So we've already talked about them on here before. So I binged the whole of Ted Lasso season one. Mm. That's Wait. excellent. Absolutely so good. Brilliant. So good, isn't it? I thought you didn't yeah. that. And uh, both seasons of Mythic Quest. Mm. So I've uh, been through both seasons of that as well. So a lot of TV, really. I don't, I don't tend to watch TV that quick, but this last three weeks I've got through four different, well, four, three different series. I don't know how you've got so, the time. Yeah. No, me either, to be honest. <laughs> Watch making in, the most of that Apple TV trial. Watching yeah, in the gym. <laughs> You've only got a year, do it. Yeah. Without spoilers, how does Mythic Quest Season 2 hold up? Because I'm halfway through it. the first one. Yeah, it's good. So it's more of the same. Um, cool. I won't, I won't say anything because I just don't want it. I don't feel like there's a drop in quality at all. No. Um, That's good. I feel like the season's maybe a little bit less about the game itself and more yeah. to do with the workplace uh, yeah. Relationships, drama a bit, which yeah. is, yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few more like ser- more serious episodes in there as well that kind of completely drop the comedy. Yeah. So but, I appreciate uh, some of them episodes though sometimes. Yeah. But no, that's been really good. Uh but uh, other than that this week, watching another watched a couple of films. Uh last night I watched the f- the original Assault on Precinct thirteen. Oh, was- nice. oh banger. Never seen that before. Um that's really good. Uh for those of you who don't know what that is. Uh, it came out in 1976. It's directed by John Carpenter, yes. and it's about a street gang who ha- they lose kind of half of their gang during a police raid, and then decide to cl- declare war on the cops and the civilians of LA. And it's just really gritty and raw, and well, it it, it comes across like compared to like modern day films like this like especially like the remake which i like just feels more real i don't yeah. know if, if, if you know what i mean like just, no i get you because it's you know 
back in the day in the seventies where you had to, you know, it's all squibs and, and natural lighting and, and everything. It just kind of, everything about it just feels a bit more raw and real. But yeah. They kind of get, um, they declare war on the cops and attack precinct 13 with some cops and I massively cop, prefer the original side. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah, the original yeah, is so much better. Agreed. I've seen them both. And there's a scene in there, which is just cold hearted as fuck. Yeah. I did not see yeah. that coming. I know what you I still, like, um, wow. You still hold up. Because I haven't yeah. seen it for years. I think, years yeah, so. yeah. I love, I love these kind of old films like that, though. And the uh, the music is incredible. Yeah, yeah. John Carpenter again, I assume. Yeah, yeah. John Carpenter did the yeah. music himself. Um, but the other film I've got more to say on is uh, Pixar's new film, Luca. What's it called? Sorry, Luca. Oh, like the name Luca, yeah. L U C A. C A. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So. Luca is their Pixar's new film. It's come out directly straight onto Disney Plus. It's a story of two young boys experience an unforgettable Italian summer filled with gelato, pasta, and endless scooter rides. Nice. Uh, but all the fun is threatened by a deeply held secret. They are sea monsters from another world. What? <laughs> <laughs> Did not see that coming. That took a twist. <laughs> yeah. So these are sea monsters, but when they come onto dry land, they turn into... Like mermaids. Real- Real looking people, so yeah, think Splash, um, for example. Uh, but it's, I enjoyed it. it, it's perfectly pleasant film, it's got good humor, it's got a really great uh friendship between the two boys and the girl that they meet. Uh, but it's not up there with their best picks, you know, the best Pixar work. Cast just, two, yeah. I mean, I, do you know what? I've never seen. <laughs> I've seen every Pixar film apart from the Cars trilogy. Don't bother. Yeah. Don't bother, mate. But I feel like I have Cars one's fine. I feel Cars like I have good. to watch them just to complete a set. They're there on my shelf yeah, or on yeah. Disney Plus. And That's a hangover like never s- got a... Sunday afternoon watch all then. Just yeah, I've never got round to it just because everyone said the shit, but mm. I feel Preston's like good. I feel like I have to just to say I've seen them all, but uh what what I did like about it is like it's got an almost Studio Ghibli-esque setting. Uh, it's very low key story, and there's like some really beautiful dream sequences in it. So like it kind of sets uh, it is set in like a small Italian town, like cool. back in the I would say it's probably around meant to be maybe the fifties something like that. Uh, like the Godfather around, flashbacks, riding around <laughs> on like old school Vespers <laughs> and scooters and things like that. Cool. Um, but what I do think lets it down is it seems to just copy a lot from other films. That we've seen before, so the Little Mermaid, Splash, Ponyo, even things like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, like some of the character designs in it, like the girl's dad in this, it's like almost a straight up copy of the dad in that. I've never seen Meatballs being Cloudy. Oh, no, they're good. They're very good, but it's just yeah, it, it you know you, you could say oh it's taking inspiration from them, but to me it just felt like they're just directly copying them. Has mm. it got that feel of like a Pixar B team kind of film? Yes, a Pixar working from home team. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it just doesn't. It's, it's a three out of five film. It's perfectly enjoyable. Um, we actually watched it again this morning because the kids put it on the TV in the bedroom and just kind of sat and watched through it. But I think that's the thing with Pixar. Like even Cars Two, which, for my, my opinion, is the worst out of that trilogy, it's still not a terrible film. Yeah, I think I, mean, I think there's always in, some endearing quality with Pixar films. Mm. There are there are there's some that I I just don't get on with. Um, mm. Some of the you know, I don't like Monsters University that much. That's Obviously. my favourite one out of the two. <laughs> oh, you really? know about yeah. Your, how how I'm not even, how? 
Monsters, Mon- Monsters Inc. is like a Stone Cold five out of five, and Monsters University is like two out of five at I'm best. Fair it now. Oh no, I disagree with you on that. Yeah, it's just. I give it like... a three to four, but no, it's just not that good. Exciting review coming soon to a picture think... near you. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get on with Brave, and I didn't get on with um, Good Dinosaur. I've never seen Good Dinosaur. I forgot that existed. <laughs> yeah, this this kind of feels in the Finding Dory category for me. Mm. Perfectly fine, enjoyable, but not that. No. It exists. Yeah, I mean the the antagonist in it is very generic and boring. Mm. Um, you know, it's full of. What I will say though is it's very non Pixar in. Oh, it starts with someone's grandparents or parents dying, and there's all this wow. and that. It's like it's. It doesn't do a lot of the normal Pixar tropes, but like I said, because it kind of feels like it's copying from other films, it doesn't feel that original. Hmm. So, yeah, it didn't didn't hit me. The message in it didn't hit me like other Pixar's have. Like so, yeah, it's good, enjoyable, but lesser lesser Pixar. Excellent, <clears throat> brilliant. When you, you brought up Splash briefly, I just wanted to ask: Did Tom Hanks sleep with the mermaid? Um. Um, I mean, it's not but based she on real life. She doesn't know that she was a mermaid. How? She's because not wet. Because she's, <laughs> she's not wet. <laughs> Get out. Sorry, okay. In the context of the film, Biggie, she's not a mermaid. She actually, she only, she's only a mermaid she's when she gets wet. wet she, she's got, she's got human well, legs. Will surely like help with that. No. <laughs> deal with this immaturity on a Sunday. Oh dear. I was talking about a Pixar kids film and look what it descended into. It's that filth you down walked there. walked right into yeah. that one. You yeah. walked right into that one. Biggie knew exactly what he was doing there. <laughs> Calculated. <laughs> Moving on. I have been playing some games. Um, I played Peggle oh. this week. Oh, so good. Man. Um, such a strange game but I believe I am now the world champion at Peggle and Candy will back me up on that I've never seen such pure joy on somebody's face I I don't think I've ever been that happy in my entire life as you you were Peggle (laughs) and that's me every day Uh, but yeah I played played Peggle because I started playing a game I'm not going to mention yet until later um, that I didn't like um, and it's controversial but the main thing I want to talk about is a game, disclaimer, I got a code for, um, called Scarlet Nexus. It's the this week's big release, uh, Xbox, PS5, I think PS4, I think so, and PC. <coughs> um, so get ready. It's a Bandai Namco anime RPG. Oh, so it's a 10 out of 10 from you then. (laughs) (laughs) I've not heard of it, and no wonder. It's got waifus. (laughs) It's it's weeby as fuck. (laughs) Um, Uh, uh, A trailer came came up for it on my YouTube uh, today mm. when I was flicking around. And uh, it was it was one of those ones where it's like you, you know you get the five seconds you get the Namco Bandai logo and say oh, okay let's see what this is about and it's immediately really high pitched girls shouting about things I'm like no nope. right, let's get rid of that one then yeah That's in, a the, in, game. in the tra- in the trailer it says created for Oodles. <laughs> <laughs> basically um, if you've played games like Near Automata um, uh, what else uh, Persona um, Astral Chain recently on the Switch. Those type of games where you can see why they've gone for that aesthetic just to uh, recoup some losses because people just buy them games, just like me. 
that doesn't buy them regardless, but this one's paid off. Um, it stars uh, Yuito Sumaragi and Kasani Randall. They're the two um, protagonists. You get to choose uh, the, the male or the female. Two different scenarios. Um, I believe they're about 40 hours each, so you get two games for the price of one. Yeah, and you know what I like? I like hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, anime melodrama for the first hour. Everyone's talking. You're introduced to a massive team. You know how it goes. I don't really have to explain this. Like 25 characters, and they all talk as if you've lived in that world for the last 10 years. You haven't got a clue what's happening. <laughs> it's just exposition, exposition, exposition. If you've watched anything, like even as far back as Akira, it's just, yeah, you, you, you should know what's going on. Um, if you want, you can get some context by reading the massive library that they've got in the menu somewhere <laughs> to get some context. And then the gameplay happens, and this is where I, I can now turn around and say, this game's a fucking banger. Um, can you remember PsyOps on PlayStation and Xbox? Yeah. yeah. The telekinesis game. Mm. Yeah. Imagine that in an action RPG. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm getting to right. it. I'm, I'm with you. So, um, he announces it in the trailer, doesn't he? He says, he gives him his name and he goes, I'm whatever it is. And he goes, I have telekinesis. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in this world, in this world, a calamity happened as, as they do in uh, anime. Um, the society has continued, but now people are born with special powers like the X-Men. So they're mutant type things. They each have a different power, only one each. So, the main cast, the main character has uh, tele- telekinesis. I don't know if the female one's any different because they haven't started a campaign yet. Uh, everyone else has got like pyrokinesis, other just other mutant abilities, teleportation, telepathy, those type of things. So, what do they do in this um, cyberpunk world? They turn them into soldiers because um, that's what they do, child soldiers. Um, I was going to say, are oh, like 14 years old as well? I, they're, 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 they're acting in war. They're 18. Cost, yeah. I think they have are to they be 18. No, they're, they're 18, but they look like they're eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, these the anime tropes of your best friend's obsessed with women, like Brock from Pokemon, that kind of thing. Um, Nosebleeds all over the place. Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, the actual gameplay is, is fucking incredible. So... Like um, near Automata, uh, uh, I always say Automata, but it's Automata, isn't it? Automata, yeah. I can't say it right. Tomato, near a tomato. Um, <laughs> you're near a tomato? Yeah, you're near a tomato. <laughs> By the lettuce. Yes. Uh, it's, like, it's like that where it's frantic, you're pressing X and you're building up combos, a bit like Devil May Cry, but then you've got that added depth of telekinesis. Now, you can, you can just whip parts of the landscape and whack a baddie with it for a massive critical hit. <clears throat> um, and... It just adds depth and depth, but it drip feeds it nicely. Unlike the plot, which is just shoved up your nostrils, or in your ear pusses, if you want to be trendy like these kids I've heard on YouTube. I've ear heard pusses. it. <laughs> I've heard it. What? Uh, yeah. Um, you can cut that out if you want. <laughs> I'm so confused. I'm keeping that in because what? I think the audience need to judge you for the words that you've just said. Mm. Are Do you going to explain what that is? It's just what I heard on YouTube. It's a Are you going to explain what it is? Is it? Yep. There you go. Um, we're here to come again in your ear pussies from the uh, Tenacious D film. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, yeah, um, the, the, the actual combat itself, it's just... How do, you, how do you expect, like, do you know when you play Monster Hunter? Like, yeah. recently, I can, I can say this directly to you as well, Gadget. You've got everything at once, haven't you? And then you've just got to pick what you want to be and what you want to do. 
Yeah, you, you, you're you burdened by choice. Yeah, with this. Because it's a... Yeah, yeah. Go, go on, carry on, sorry. Yeah, because with Monster Hunter, you walk in, it's just like, here's 15 kinds of weapons you can use. And I'm like, ah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, like, this is like typical action role-playing games. You are in dungeons in some parts, but when you get to the the fights it's an arena you know like like, like they do like yeah. god eater and things like that and the older monster hunter games but with this you start off really slow you start off with just your telekinesis and and your sword and it's really simple to get used to and every every single combat encounter after that you're building up you're building up i'm eight hours in now and if you saw me playing this compared to when i first started you'll think i want morpheus or, or neo it's, it's absolutely crazy <laughs> it's just really good like all the reviews i've seen of it they're saying Oh yeah, it's anime. Some anime bullshit, but that combat system is fucking incredible. So on, on on a level of weebiness, is mm. it like, is it any more palatable than Code Vein? Because I tried Code Vein and it's I hated bad. every second of it. I love the combat in it, but I hated every second no, of the rest that, of the game. It's not that bad. It's it's more on the like the, the more serious side to the anime. You know, I, like Netflix has got a load of anime shows on now. Some of them are a bit more yeah. cerebral, and it, it's more X Men. Like Japan's take on X Men, like a lot of society don't like them and stuff like that. And there's a bit of a fascism to it as well, fascism play to it. Like, are we on the side of good? Are we on the side of bad? That type of thing. Um, right. Okay. In this world, the creatures, the others, they're called the, the creature designs. Some of the best creature design I've ever seen. It's like a lot of it's based on like Indonesian culture, which is a, a real surprise to me. Um, and like Indian culture, so like. I think Ifrits and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's really, it's just really good and clever. And these others, the creatures, it could be anybody. So it's like it's, there's also the fact, like, can you trust your friends? Are your friends gonna be bad and stuff? Oh, it's just it's it's cliched as fuck, but it just it just, it just works, and I'm really enjoying it. And looking at the uh, scores of it online, everyone else is really enjoying it. Yeah, it's kind of like eight, eights across the board, really, isn't it? It's mm. like not perfect, but really good. It seems to me like Bandai, Bandai and Amco just put this anime thing on it, like I say, as a, as a get out of jail free, just in case people. Because if this had like the the look of, let's say, control or something a bit more, uh, how do I say, it? mature, this would this would instantly just capture, especially the Western palette. Um, but yeah, if you can look past that anime, do you know when every time they get hurt, if you can, if you can get past that, you, you, you'll, you'll be fine. It's, the voice acting is actually really good as well. Um, obviously, get a choice of Japanese and English. I've tried them both. Uh, I've finally stuck with the Japanese, but the English is not terrible. Not terrible. The, the writing's good. As with all of these things, um, the conversations are in a visual novel style thing to save a bit of money. You can tell. Um, nobody moves when they're talking, that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, it's really good. I recommend it. Um, I've not finished it yet, but I know it's it, it's a banger. It's 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 a pure banger. So I've seen it at forty quid as well. So get it. So what are we talking about this week, Biggie? This week we talked about media that meant something different to us when we were younger. Whether that meant something we didn't like or do now, or vice versa. What things in film, music, TV, literature, sport, games, everything have a different meaning to feed into you now than they did when you were younger? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, disclaimer, I struggled with this. <laughs> yeah. Because as I said to you off mic, I'm still a child. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> my opinions on a lot of things haven't changed, but I've got some. But we're going to start with Gadget. 
Uh, okay, so the first one I'm going to talk about um, is Picture Me, my young 13-year-old. Stunning. Stunning, absolutely. Picture of a man, mm. but a boy still. <laughs> young 13-year-old discovers metal music. The corruption, some would call it. So some would call it the corruption, but he, he gets in there. It's a bit of Papa Roach going, a bit of Linkin Park. Cut my life into pieces! <laughs> yes. Now you know, there was the daddy of it all, there was Limp Bizkit. Oh, yeah. Because I was rolling, rolling, rolling. Rolling, rolling, yeah. Um, because as we all know, I was loving this shit right here. Mm. L-I-M-P, Biscuit is right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so put the hands in uh, the yeah. hair. Because if you don't care, then we don't care. Sorry. Right, okay, it's no, not a karaoke it. episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's for the patrons only. Fighting my tongue, let's carry on. <laughs> yeah, so when I was when I was a kid, I loved heavy metal music, um, and I kind of got led in through because I'd started off kind of like a pop and rap music, and then moved in through new metal. Yeah, and then that then kind of spread out into you know Iron Maiden, Metallica, and the branches kept spreading, and it got more extreme. I went down the death metal, I went to the black metal, oh. started playing guitar, started learning how to play guitar fast. Do you know the, 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 you know the moment when I knew when I started painting my nails black. <laughs> <laughs> I, never, I never got quite that far. I was, I was, I was, I was like an old school metaler. I wasn't like a goth metaler. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I've got some friends like that. Yeah. I was, I, I was, I was like the, the kind of metaler that buys a Gibson Les Paul as opposed to an Ibanez. Ah. I like ah. the chunky, big riffing. I like the Zach Wild stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I liked it heavy and grunty and cut your fingers on the strings. Yeah, that kind of yeah. thing. Big beards, as evidenced by my beard today. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for the longest period of time I was quite the metal elitist It uh, wasn't metal, it wasn't good mm-hmm. It wasn't metal, it sucked ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I was. I adored heavy metal Yeah you know, In all shapes and forms You know, I went down, like I say I went down to death metal, black metal Really, really got into progressive metal So bands like Dream Theatre Um I think I think I still have their entire discography on CD somewhere. Up to That's a lot of music. Up to a certain point, it's a lot of music because all their albums are like a hundred minutes long. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and uh, power metal as well was huge in power metal when Dragon Force like blew up, and then went down. You know, went down with Dragon Force, then like went to the old stuff like Halloween. Yeah, technical um, side more to modern, it. Yeah, more modern stuff like Firewind and Celador and Tirasas. Then I went Viking Metal and Corpaclani and Pirate oh, it, Metal. It, it, yes, Ailstorm. Yeah. Love, love a bit of Ailstorm. In fact, just just for the listeners who won't have heard of that, here's some Ailstorm. What is Pirate Metal? Oh, you'll love it's it. It's exactly what you Sing think it, it is. That's going to be um, wow. when we do a, when we do a live show. That's going to be our entrance. <laughs> yes, please. Anyway, yeah. So almost every single subgenre of metal I've enjoyed, adored. Mm. Um, there are some that I struggled with. I struggled. I didn't with... like love metal. No, um, I really struggled with whatever the hell um, Enter Shikari were for the longest time. What? 
class. I just it, it didn't make sense to me. I would maybe rave it's, metal. It was. I think it was the rave part of it. But I like I like mm. techno metal. You know, ah. like I like electronica metal. I like all these kind of yeah. things. Uh, but then, as I've grown older, um, thinking about the original point that we're talking about, uh, as I've grown older, kind of like metal speaks to me less. Uh, and not in a bad way. Like, I don't dislike metal. I still listen to a lot of that stuff. Um, but there hasn't been anything new in metal that's really piqued my interest Fucking for a very really, long time. Oh, my Yeah, I agree. Preach. I think everything, because, I, I mean, I know there's nothing original in music in general, but I think there's just been nothing that's come out of metal that's excited me. Every band is produced kind of the same. They all sound the same. Like, amps and exactly guitars. Yeah, amps and guitars are kind of at the point where they all kind of have the same metal sound. And you basically get three or four different sounds of metal, and that's about it. You get your thrash sound, you get your death sound, you get your kind of stoner rock sound, you know, like that. It's like everything is basically separated by subgenre now. Nothing speaks to me. And there are a few bands who will keep listening to their new material as a release. Like um, uh, someone pointed out in the Discord the other day, the Between the Buried and Me have got a new album coming out, and I am yeah. so hyped for that because they're amazing. Mm. Um, one of my favorite bands I've ever seen live. Same with Periphery. When Periphery release new music, I will go straight in for that because I adore them. There are some that you just you you, you just keep following, and yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, but I, I haven't heard a debut album in it in a long time that's made me go, "Ooh." Nobody makes debut album anymore. You get famous <laughs> off TikTok first. Yeah. But like, so like, my musical tastes have evolved, and I listen to I, I listen to a lot more pop now. I listen to a lot more electronica, um, some rap yeah. stuff, and dance music, and just a lot of different things. Or if actually, to be fair, ninety nine percent of my listening these days is now podcasts. I don't listen to that much music anymore. But um, like synthwave and vaporwave are my kind of big things at the minute. That's what I'll listen to the most. You like soundscapes and stuff to oh, chill you out. On that. I love a soundscape. Mm. I yeah, love I, um, I love orchestral music that like mm. from like video games or from films or whatever. And yeah, it's like metal doesn't speak to me the same way it does anymore. And when I do listen to metal, it's the stuff I listened to twenty years ago when I was a kid. I like, think your ears have evolved. Well, actually, you're, you're, actually to you're the case a sound in, engineer. Yeah, so to, to the case in point as well, like the music I play, like I don't, I don't play the heavy metal guitars I've got anymore. I've got Ibanez's. Yeah. I've got um, a Les Paul. I sit and play a Fender Strat, which is one of the least metal guitars ever made. Mm. I know you can play metal on them, and I know Iron Maiden play metal on them. Don't come at me, but um, you know, <laughs> I, right don't, I don't play metal anymore. I very rarely turn the distortion up when I'm playing through my amp. You know, I just sit and noodle, and it's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a shame because metal brought me so much joy. I was in a power metal band for a period of time. You know, I made metal mm. music. It's endearing, um, isn't it? It's, it? it's empowering. It's endearing. But then I, I don't know. I I, th- I genuinely think like your ears evolve, like the mature, and you you stop having this like um, what is it like the snobbery, like you say, and you yeah. just think. Do you know what? I'm I'm gonna listen to Lionel Richie all day. Like some one, Fuck it. one of the ones I'm gonna talk about later. later. It's kind of on this, on that road yeah, about like, progressing in because of as you got older, the music you, you appreciate things a bit more. You so. stop caring what others think as well. I think. Yeah. I think. I think. Like, yeah, be, I think being a metalhead. That's oh yeah, a I, I, you were in see, it. See, see, I've kind of gone from when I started listening to metal. Is none of my friends are into metal? Not a mm. single one of them. Like my my close like in real life like best mates from school still aren't. They all know. Yeah. Like so, when I was younger, I kind of didn't. Disclosed that I was into that because it was secret. <laughs> yeah, because it felt like in the I metal just kind of get made fun of for like in this in this the Iron music. Yeah, and oh. but now I'm just like I don't give a fuck. I love this shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably like, the was, white guy that listens to hip hop. 
<laughs> you know, it's it's very hard to explain when people in see you. Bilingo. Yeah, even now when I'm like 47, there somebody might say, "What music are you into?" And I have to say, "Well, hip hop." And they look at you like, hmm? "I thought it'd be classical." Yeah, yeah. You know, I, get just, I get that. I get that. But yeah, it was like my peers at the time, like when I was at college, when I was doing my degree and stuff like that. Like I was hanging around with the metalheads, and I was hanging around with people who were into more extreme metal than I was. Like, I mean, mm. you know, I know they're local lads, but Venom. They're not an easy listen. Black metal. They're good, but they're not an easy listen. These guys are like saying, oh, oh I chill out to this stuff. Like, How the fuck do you chill out to Countess Bathory? Fuck's <laughs> <Yeah>. sake. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> and as, like I say, as, as time went on, it's just like, I, I tried to keep up with this kind of, it must be the most metal thing in the world. I must wear black. I must, you know, all this kind of thing. And it got to the point where it's just tiring to maintain that. And it's just like, fuck mm. it, that Taylor Swift song's really good. You know, it's yeah. like. Taylor Swift's fucking. <laughs> I think Taylor Smith, Taylor Swift, is a bit metal, really. Well, the, the thing is, as well, like as you as you go through life, like you will get pop songs stuck in your head. Like no matter how elite a metalhead you are, yeah. No matter how true cult you are with everything, like you'll you, you'll hear something on the telly or on the radio, or whatever, and it'll get stuck in your head, and then you, you go into a shame spiral when you're an elitist. You're like, oh no, I listened to four chords and I liked it. <laughs> I went to a Cradle of Filth concert and they played um, a heartache on me before the band came on. Everyone was buzzing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this is Cradle of Filth. They've done Cliff Richard covers. Yeah, you know I know. I mean? Well, to be fair, those moments are really good. When I saw Between the Buried and Me, they did um, a Bohemian Rhapsody cover that was incredible. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like prog metal doing the most ostentatious pop rock, you know? I think, <laughs> it's, I think it's, it's weird how the fans feel like they have to be loyal but the actual artists are like, oh, no, we're inspired by The Doors and mm. we're inspired by ABBA. Yeah. And how can, as kids, how can, I, I couldn't grasp that. I was like, what? Yeah. You know? It's almost as bad as football fans when they're young. You know, that whole sort yeah. of the anger, the vitriol thrown at other clubs and stuff. Mm. It's the same yeah. when just it comes to bands and music types. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's one of, the, one, of the, one of the problems is when you're young with these things, you kind of fall into the image of it. Yeah, like Absolutely. it's very easy to get sucked sucked into like say like look at Cradle of Filth and like you look at the like the leather and the makeup and all that kind of thing. thing. These guys must be the most extreme people. If you listen to Danny Filth talk, he sounds like a nerd. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he he's a, a really softly spoken guy, and he wears tracky bottoms most of the time. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, and it's it. <laughs> the image that you get in the marketing for metal does not always equate with the band. Like Slipknot, yeah. Slipknot. You look at a picture of them; they look really extreme. They're just nine guys. They're just fat dads, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're, they're literally dad bods. That's why they wear the boiler suits. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not, although Kerrang described them best um, in, when their first album came out, and it's my, the description that's always stuck with me um, when I think of Slipknot. They're an 18-legged hate machine. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember seeing um, Joey, Joey Jordison. That's the jobber in it, the ex-drummer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. when he's got his mask off, he's like, oh, he just looks like a little boy. He's like he's very little. He's very little, and he's got a really youthful-looking face. It's like, oh, it just doesn't scream like man who bashes the shit out of drums amazingly. Like to <laughs> loud. That's why. That's why music. he never smiles in photographs as well, because he's got a little chubby, bright face, and he refuses to ever smile because he's self-conscious about it. He's got to keep that persona up. <laughs> it's like the imagery with you know, like Eminem when he at one point had the the chainsaw and everything. I mean, it's yeah. not like he's sitting at home just going <laughs> with a chainsaw waiting to chop someone up. Was that a Rolf you know? Harris impression? <laughs> <laughs> he probably still eats Chinese takeaway like everybody else watching 
Absolutely. Top idol or something. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, of course oh, he does. I was suspiciously specific there, Biggie. <laughs> yeah. It's eating Chinese takeaway and watching Pop Idol like the rest of us. That sounds like a great Saturday evening. That I'm uh, into it. But yeah, yeah, metal music. I love it. I still love it, but I'm not that bothered by it now. Like yeah. Also, if the listeners know of any great new metal bands, like brand new bands that have he doesn't mean new it, metal as in NU. No, no, I've, <laughs> I've still got all of them biscuit CDs, all of them. Significant oh. Other is the greatest album of all time. <laughs> that's going on your gravestone that I'm, night I, I will wear it happily uh, but yeah if anyone knows of any kind of like bands that like just come out one or two albums now that I won't have heard of like let me know because at the minute I'm listening to Bear Ghost who are like when prog mm. metal meets Andrew Lloyd Webber and they're amazing excellent excellent Candy hit us uh, so mine's a game from 2000 and it's Majora's Mask oh, um, what, oh. yeah so when I first played it, it was sort of right off the back of Ocarina of Time. It was released two years later, and I pretty much solidly played Ocarina of Time. I think I've said it before on the pod that I'm a massive uh, massive fan of that game. I played it solidly for about two years before Majora's Mask was released. Mm. And then when it finally was released, I was sort of confused and put off by its different tone. And it's kind of, it's kind of got a unique quirkiness to it that, Majora, uh, that um, Ocarina doesn't have. And... I hated that it was sort of a race against time, and I was disappointed that it seemed such a change from Ocarina, even though it was a direct sequel. Um, I played it and got some enjoyment out of it, but it just didn't sort of strike the same chord. Um, yeah. And for a long time after Ocarina was released, I was really disappointed in every Zelda game that followed it, and I didn't actually realise, I didn't understand that Zelda games are quite sort of weird and offbeat. And actually, it was yeah, Ocarina... Majora's Mask is the... The David Lynch. Yeah, Zelda. it takes it a step further. <laughs> but it was, it, it made me realize that actually it was Ocarina of Time that was the one that was the odd one yeah. out because it was a bit more straightforward. Mm. Um, I just assumed all of the Zeldas were just more of a straight sort of action RPG when actually, you know, it was the odd one out. And I, I just didn't get it. And it was, it was actually a couple of months ago and it was during the first lockdown, I think. And I was just out for a walk and for whatever reason, Majora's Mask just popped into my head and started thinking about it. It was probably the sense of impending doom. You, you looked up, the moon was smiling at you. Yeah, crying, you know. <laughs> um, but I ended up revisiting it and watching a few YouTube playthroughs, and it sort of um, it started to resonate with me a bit more. And if you haven't played it briefly, the story of Majora's Mask, it's, like I said, it's a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time. Um, you find yourself in an, an alternate world of Termina, Termina. Uh, Termina. Termina, where the, the, as you said, there's an ominous moon looming overhead and you find out it's going to crash into the world in three days' time unless you prevent it. And the game takes place over a three-day loop and you don't get it the first time and it, the game will reset. And that's another thing that put me off. I'm like, why can I not just save this game and pick it up <laughs> another day? Why does everything have to turn to shit before I can complete this thing? Um the the game itself is just dark and creepy, and um, it's the the moon leaving over you is is just a constant reminder that the world is coming to an end. And the game encourages you to participate in side quests rather than take the main story on, and it introduces you to a, a whole world of characters, and they're all sort of in their own way coming to terms with their fate and the fate of the world. And you're just really made to feel the heavy emotions. It's nihilistic, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're made to feel the real heavy emotions of each character. And towards the end, it's not really a spoiler because it's, it's an ancient game, but, you know, they all sort of come together and it seems 
even though they're accepting their fate, there's kind of a glimmer of hope. But it's, yeah. a, it's a story that has deep meaning and you actually have to pay attention to the story rather than just bust and mash your way through the dungeons. Um, it forces you to use kind of deliberation and critical thought. And I think mate, probably at that age, I was at an age where I didn't fully comprehend that that's something that a game could even achieve. It, I don't think it's for kids, Majora's Mask. Uh, no, I absolutely agree with that. And a lot of people, probably my age, will find themselves in the same situation that if they were to look at it again now after playing it when they were 12, 13, 14, they'd have a completely different take on it because, you know, I just didn't realise that a game could be capable of making you think about life in such a profound, mm. in such a profound way. Um, so, yeah, looking back on it now, it's a much more enjoyable experience. The, the gameplay itself, it's, it's, morally, it's almost identical to Ocarina. Yeah. So it was literally about the story and just... The feel Apart of the from world. the different masks, change you up and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and you don't. I think there's only maybe five masks that you yeah. have to get, and the rest of them are all side quests. And um, one of the ones where you, that you get, I think it's the one that I think it is it on Oni Link that you become. Yeah. Any, anyways, it you get the mask yourself, and it you, you yourself become a sort of all powerful being with this mask, like Majora was with his mask. Um. So yeah, it was just sort of an interesting take on it that I just, it just completely went over my head, and I absolutely took it at face value when I first played it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a game that's better the older you get. Like when I I remember first going to my friends to to watch him play, it and you start off as like a deco scrub, don't you? And yeah. it just It's like fuck it, it's crap. That little bit, that little hour, it's like. Ugh. It's, a, it's like a proto roguelike, isn't it? Because you're basically looping yes. through the same world multiple yes. times to unlock stuff. A bit of yeah. Yeah, a bit of Metroidvania in there, and you have to talk to people and get like uh, keywords and passwords and stuff like that. That's it's, right. It's very. It is really like Zelda on acid in a lot of ta- a lot a lot of places. It's it is a weird weird game. I was going to say, did you say you had three days to save the world? Yeah, not real life days it, either. It, it yeah. threw in <laughs> side quests as well. Oh, it was yeah, all but... about the side quests, and it's it's things that you have to pay attention to. And yeah. uh, like Udall said, it's. Key phrases and and words and items, some items that you can kind of and and songs as well. You still got the ocarina, so you can learn songs that can yep. slow down time and do you know different effects and everything. So it's a case of learning those, and it's the, the, the things that you can remember rather than take with you back to the uh, back to the reset point. And it's emo as fuck. It is. It's proper emo. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, a that, very that's, sort of dour tone. Yeah, that, that's a good shout. That one. That's because. Yeah, I haven't thought about that in in years. I know the 3DS version is probably my my favorite version of it. Um, it's all nice and done up. But yeah, try that. Check that out, guys. Um, Biggie. Yeah, I, I was the same as uh, yourself when you uh, mentioned at the beginning. I, I struggled a little bit with this subject matter and then gave it a bit of thought. Because you're still um, a man child. Yeah, but uh, and speaking of which, um, it got me thinking. Well what do I miss from or what affected me when I was a kid? And I realized, as I mentioned before in the pod, that gaming has been a massive part of my life. Mm-hmm. Always has been. I'm very, I feel very fortunate. And I've been there almost from the beginning of games. Since Pong. <laughs> <laughs> and I am a big fan of retro gaming. I do like tinkering with the old games and just games I never got a chance to play. You do all of a custom firmware as well, don't you? Yeah, and <laughs> I know some people don't go back to the old days. I know they sort of are quite happy to, if they've missed out a generation of stuff, they'll move on, not bothered. But I do like 
putting the odd game on, thinking, oh, I remember this, and just looking through the collection. And you just have to be really careful with retro gaming because, like me, I, I like to reminisce. I like to think back to the good old happy days. And as a child, I had a good childhood, basically. And I had a and fond the golf love. Of play- <laughs> had a fond love of playing games and you have to be very careful when you revisit certain games because you can have your memories absolutely tainted <laughs> to the point of ruined. Mate, I used to think Paperboy was good. Yes. No. I mean, I played no. that in the arcades. I had the home conversion. <laughs> it ain't good. Yeah, Come I remember me. spending so much time playing that game, trying to learn what's coming out and, you know, yeah. things like that. No, knowing then- the colours of each house and what's going to yeah, come out of that house just- and it's the BMX a, track at the it's end. It's a tough fucking game, that. It is. You know, and um, when the I mentioned last week about the PS1 Classic, and I had a look at the, the games that came on that, and I loaded up Siphon Filter. Oh, that's that amazing. I loved that game. I played it. It was supposed to be the Metal Gear Solid beta, wasn't it? It was just, <laughs> I loved it. It was an incredible game. Don't load it up now, please. <laughs> Whatever that, that, that phaser, you do, because <laughs> it blew my mind watching that in action. I was like, this is janky as fuck. Oh, yeah. Everything's really pixelated. You're supposed to do these pinpoint headshots, and you can't even tell if the guy's blended into the back wall. It's just, ah, oh, yeah, really put me off. There's a thing with retro gaming where, like, epic games are generally okay, but there's a lot of stinkers because they were just kind of developing the art, but there's a lot of good ones. Yeah. 16-bit games, there's some amazing stuff, brilliant Still stuff. Still look great today. Yeah, and, and to like, it's that simple design, isn't it? Yeah, when you get to the 32-bit generation, you start, and you start getting that like, those early 3D games, you're like, oh, my memories of these are so much better than they actually were. Like, try playing the original Tomb Raider now. Like, at the time, it was one of the most incredible things because it's like, oh, my God, like, fully 3D movement, 3D platforming, that kind of thing. Hadn't really been done that much before. Um, and then you play it now, and it's just like, no, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Can't use a D-pad to control the character in 3D. Why did we, why time, did we think this was acceptable? Yeah, <laughs> at the time, you just think this, this world, you know, you, you go from, and it still amazes me to this day that when you look at, um, Pong, um, Pac-Man, and how basic the graphics are. So obviously what we have today, but you still at times had to use your imagination. But when it went into the 3D polygon worlds, that was starting to get created for you. And then, like you say, Tomb Raider running around, the dinosaur um, coming Spoiler out of Lara, that. and it just looked amazing. <laughs> it looked amazing. You're just like, oh fucking hell, you know. But look at it now, and it's like, yeah, yeah people fancied Lara Croft, and it mm. it looks. She looks, the model looks terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's not human. (laughs) Don't don't play an N64 game on an N64. Don't play them. At all. (laughs) Honestly, I played like, I used to like love like Diddy Kong Racing and everyone obviously loved Goldeneye and things like that. Goldeneye looks shit. Goldeneye is so bad now. It's just the control in it is, it's awful when you can, it's just because we've had so many great years of, Brilliant shooter. I stand by so, it. Mario 64 is the only Nintendo 64 game that's held up. I mean, even you. that people are saying on those recent ports is. I was going to say it's bad. rough. It's rough on the recent ports. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh yeah. Mm. It's not. It. It's the problem is as well. Like when they're discovering these kind of 3D games, it's like there's so many things that we take for granted now. Like for instance, like uh, double, like using the right stick to move the camera around. 
Obviously, mm. back in those days, they didn't have it because the PlayStation didn't come with sticks of stand. No, and the N64 no, just no. had that one shoulder buttons as your, as your camera. Or the, or, or the C <laughs> buttons, using the C oh, buttons on the N64 yeah. controller. Yeah. Like, I remember I was watching, um, it might have it been an angry video game nerd video on it, uh, but uh, Alien Resurrection on the PS1, uh, yes. which was a first-person shooter. And it was one of the first uh, PS1 shooter ga- uh, first-person shooter games to use dual-stick control. So use the mm. left stick to move back and forth and strafe and the right stick to aim. And the reviews came out for it lambasting it, saying this is the worst thing that can possibly be done. How can anybody ever get used to this control scheme? <laughs> I was like, it's the only way to play a first-person shooter on a pad. I liked Alien Resurrection. It was good. Yeah, it was dreadful. I liked it when, oh, you, no, cl- I when you climbed it. ladders. Like it. it went in third person. I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, that's <laughs> I think the trouble looking back at games is um, that you know they were janky at the time, and you were sort of forced to to use your imagination. So when you look at back at them now, you're not remember that you're not remembering the game itself. You're remembering how you imagined it looked in your head. Yes. So you're yep. always looking back with rose tinted glasses, and I think yeah. that's gonna. I think the Final Fantasy VII remake is gonna struggle with that. Because people aren't remembering the game itself; they're imagining. They're remembering their imagination. And I mm. think it's going to be a tough call for them to try and recreate what many different people are sort of. We don't need seeing the, in their heads. We don't need the FF Seven remake. We just need Biggie with a blue screen to describe what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we need. I'd pay for that seventy quid. Sold yeah. immediately. Yeah, well, it's like it's like those um, Crash Bandicoot and Spyro remakes. They they didn't change really much anything in the game itself. They just but they made it, made it look like how you remember it. Mm. Yes, yes, which I think is how you should do a remake. The same with the uh, Tony Hawk's Agreed. Pro Skater remakes. Like, oh, it's really good though. They, they added stuff from Tony Hawk's Three yeah. into One and Two, like control schemes, manuals, and abilities to move. Um, yeah, and stuff like that. Like that wasn't in the original Tony Hawk's, but um, you remember it they, to be in there. Yeah, you remember it there. Like you always remember <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's like thirteen when that was. You know, it wasn't the greatest first-person shooter ever. I've never it, it played. Was fun it. To I play. remember. I remember it looked gorgeous. Thirteen was. It I just loved looked 13. smart. It, it looked, the, the art style was incredible. And then Do they not play that remake. That remake. Yes, is because broken. they lost the whole point of it. Oh, never. Yeah, mind. So yeah. So yeah. Y- your relationship with gaming has changed. How? Just in the sense that um, I've gone on to. I still, as you know, tinker with um, whatever I can get away with with my consoles of the past mm-hmm. but i don't retro game as much as i used to i like seeing what i can do on the the uh you're just after it for the chase ones. mate you just like the chase yeah when, when, you, when you've is. caught it you're not bothered <laughs> yeah but i you know thinking of um like battlefield 2042 coming out soon looks incredible yeah and to think how gaming was before and to what we can have now um i always, yeah, I, always I, I always liken it to that first time on Medal of Honor on the uh, the beach landing. Yes, yes. You think yes. in in your head now. You think about that. That yeah, ain't how I'm it looked. Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, but what how it looked was fog. <laughs> <laughs> fog, <laughs> and the water wasn't moving. But oh yeah. god, yeah. But I think yeah, you, you just like like Joe says, um, you, you have to use your imagination at times playing those games, and it was for the better. Yeah. But I think nowadays everything is done for you, and in a way. We don't have to use that imagination. It's a shame, I think, in many ways. I agree with used you. To fill out, used to fill out those the missing parts when you were younger, and now it's all there. I, and I think people, kids nowadays, I've collected my collection. I hope my daughter one day will look at the games from the past and just see how it, where it's come from. I think we need to know that history. 
I always remember the narratives I used to create for games that didn't have narratives. <laughs> like, um, I used to play like, um, what was it? Um, oh, Streets of Rage. It's barely got any narrative, has it, at all. But I used to create narratives. There's like crime in the town. Yeah, there's crime in the town. We've got to clean it up. I used to, but when me and my cousin used to play it and stuff, we used to be like, hey, so we go to work? Oh my God, we're getting mugged on the way to work. (laughs) (laughs) We used to do stuff like that. And Sonic and stuff like that, where Sonic hasn't got any narrative. You just got to save all the robots because there's little bunnies inside them. But I used to talk to each robot I'd killed and gone, go on, be free. But I, you were a really bored child, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, I, mate, I'm one of seven. <laughs> yeah, true. So, so, yeah, and I'm in the middle. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why I'm fucked up. Stig, what are you bringing to the table? Something super serious. Okay, okay. Yeah. Fresh Prince of Bella. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm going to talk about is quite serious. Uh, in yeah, a way. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because this isn't me saying I used to love this as a kid now I hate it or vice versa I always I love the Fresh Prince Bella I always have still makes me laugh to stay when I watch it but when I see it now and when I've seen clips now when I see retrospectives and things about it there are so much there's so much stuff in that behind all the jokes all the stupid silly you know, silliness and and whatnot that completely went over my head as a child yeah um the show came out in 1990, so I was only four at the time. So I don't think I wouldn't have watched it when it first came out. I was probably mate. It's, what, it was rerun forever. Watching reruns mm. on Trouble or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, that's when I Trouble. watched it. Trouble. Fucking hell, I haven't heard that Trouble word in TV. ages. Yeah. Oh my god! But I've seen <laughs> them all. Trouble on Sister Sisters coming on yeah. soon. Yeah, I, <laughs> Sister Sister. But yeah, I, I've seen them all. Uh, but mm. it was during the 90s when I was Same. around 10 years old. Um, but this show, actually, when you look back on it, touched on a lot of real-world problems, which yeah. now, as an adult, I can appreciate a hell of a lot more on what they were trying to say and do in these episodes. So it brings up um, the likes of racial issues, gun violence, estranged est- parental relationships, bullying, sex, health and drug issues. Teenage pregnancies. Um, yeah, and... You know, you might not remember these episodes as much because a lot of the, lot of the times with all sitcoms and stuff, you just kind of remember. Just remember the, Carlton dancing. You remember the jokes, the Carl, <laughs> yeah, Carlton dancing and Jeffrey being a sarcastic bastard and <laughs> yeah, and things like that. Uh, uh, jazz getting thrown out the house constantly. Yeah. Um, but as an adult now, because I'm so much more aware of these issues in society than I was as a child, like I pick up on it and I pick up on how well these episodes and how well these messages in in the actual shows are done and actually just how well it, they are acted oh yeah mm. um there's some great dramatic scenes throughout yes. it really is yeah, it I, some yeah, of them are, some of them are like heart-wrenching especially when like uncle phil's having that sit down we will and he's, oh, he's yeah. like, th- th- those moments they oh my god they crush yeah. you there's um obviously the when will's dad leaves yeah will gives oh, his big god, speech yeah. about being like i don't need him i'll be a better father than than yeah. he'll ever be and um that was just now it's just an amazing scene um there's i think there's this thing about that where um it's he just wanted there was something to do with uh will smith and um i've forgotten his name now guy who plays uncle phil uh avery brooks avery brooks yeah and hey it's gadget here in the edit just pointing out my own idiocy it's actually james avery not avery brooks i'll i'll own that one 
and uh, Will Smith just didn't know how to do it. Mm. And he was just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to try and find it. Look it up. Just look that up where Will Smith talks about Avery Smith, like talking to um, it, oh, fucking hell. Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks. Is, it, is Talk- this posthumously? I think I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Talking yeah. about what he told him to do in that scene and how to yeah. channel channel the energy and, and how to do that. And um, it's just, it's brilliant. It's absolutely yeah. brilliant. Oh, I, think, I think I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah it, Will Smith talks about it, just about how Avery Brooks like helped him with that scene and, and inspired him to, to get that out in that scene because he'd never done anything like that before. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's, it, it's weird to think that like Will Smith went into that with no acting experience whatsoever. Like He was a pop star. Yeah, exactly. He, he was a family rapper. Yeah, yeah. He was. Um, and he he went into that, and he had to learn how to act on on set from Avery Brooks and the people around him, who were all like classic. Like Avery Brooks was like a, a Broadway actor, wasn't it? At one point, I think he no, was. he wasn't a Broadway actor. He was a stage, but he was a stage actor. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And like the, um, uh, Alfonso Ribeiro was a dancer and stuff like that. Like, yes, he was all... a dancer. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it shows you Will Smith's actual talents that he had, and I know he lost his way over time. But, oh, dude, don't you know. No. Will Smith, even as recently as last 10 years, he's had some proper heart-wrenching films. He, he, yeah, that's what the, I mean. the man can act. He can. He can. I totally agree. Yeah. In this show, though, it, it this starts from the get-go, and you might, again, it's something when we were kids, we might not have noticed it, but it, in the first episode, Will basically tells his uncle that he's out of touch. Yeah. yeah and right. his uncle basically puts him in his place. He's saying like I was there when Malcolm X spoke. Oh God, I, yeah. I, you know, mm. I was there when this happened. I did this. Like if and I, how he's earned his money like, stuff. for people like me, you, you know, uh, yeah. you know, you wouldn't have this. You wouldn't be here now in my house and stuff like that. And then Uncle Phil catches Will playing the piano and realizes himself actually there's Will's not all that he thinks as well. He he thinks yeah. that Will's just a a lazy street kid. But this culture there still. But yeah, there's something in him there. Uh, but one of the biggest ones uh, is the one in the mistaken identity. Oh yeah, where Carl and Will are driving um, Uncle Phil's colleague's car, and they get pulled over by the police. Yep. Oh yeah, oh, I, remember I remember that one. one. And Carl, fa- uh, big famous episode. Yeah, and Carlton just doesn't refuses to accept that it's anything other than just a mistaken identity. Yeah. Mm. And Will's just like, no, this, this is like is racial. It's this is racial. There's only one reason why we've been pulled over, Carlton. Yeah. Carlton, no, 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 no. It's 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 an error. It's you know the policeman was just doing his job. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And everything. Mm. And Will's just like, don't be so stupid. And then Uncle Phil comes down, basically destroys the policeman yeah. with his words. They get let out, and he and still to the end of the episode, Carlton's not accepting that it's racism. Yeah, it, to the point he asks his dad in the final moments. He's just like, he's just he's just doing his job, right, Dad? And then it kind of ends like that on that question, I, and it's just things like that throughout That's the way whole show. Its time as well. That's like yeah. really progressive for, for a like, you know, what is essentially a, a sitcom, family show. Fam- that's, family that's on at like six o'clock in the yeah. evening. Yeah, and there's the other ones. Carlton takes drugs by mistake, and yeah. he oh, yeah, dies. Yeah, yeah. And Will's just like delivers this heart wrenching apology about like someone close to me could have died, and it would have been my fault. Again, like showing his acting talents uh, there, and it touches on again. That's touching on the drugs and things like that within the community and within this, like the schools, even within the private schools and stuff that they go to. Uh, we'll get shot one episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Carlton gets bullied at a frat when he's trying to get into the frat party, being told 
that he's he gets like, hazed, doesn't he? Yeah, he's been told that you're not, you're kind of, you don't belong here. Yeah, you're new money. Yeah, that, that's that, that's the one that always sticks out to me because it's like the, the like Carlton works harder than anybody else to try and get into this fraternity. Yeah, and uh, Will gets in. And he's Carlton not done anything because it's because like he's not black enough. I think is what yeah. they actually yes. say in it. Hmm. And, yes. and then you, you have Uncle Phil at the end says, "Why do we keep doing this to each other?" And I was just like. I remember actually that clocking onto that one as a kid. I was like, oh, yeah. that's a yeah. that's a big question to ask in a sitcom for the family. It is. Yeah, it exactly. Is. <laughs> and, and and now as uh, the whole point of this thing is as an adult, I can appreciate so much more like what they were doing then than when I was a kid. Absolutely, mate. And yeah. So that's why I chose Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That's an absolute that's 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 a good astounding one. shout, mate. Yeah. That's like it's that uh, it's, it's it's hard to quantify the the difference. Like a kid watching it, it's just I'm you you you're, you're always waiting for the funny bit. It's same with like the Simpsons. Simpsons had some moments of like levity and stuff, but you were just waiting for Homer to fall down. Do you know what I mean? Mm. As a kid, yeah. as an adult, you're like, holy shit, this is about divorce or this is about race. This is about um, class. It's oh, it's yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it is still somewhat delivered in a in a light hearted way. I think it has to do, doesn't age. it? Yeah. It's easy when you know when you're younger, you you just don't realise the gravity of what's actually being said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. even in that scene where Carlton is basically told he's too white to be in a black fraternity. Yeah, Will still leaves on a punchline. He says, "In my words, my illustrious cousin, I'm going to make like a tree and leave." Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Carlton's like, "It's make like a tree, get out of here." Like, it's still like <laughs> yeah. there's still a punchline there. There's still a joke in there, but it's yeah. still within like a really. Solid message. Absolutely, I, 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 th- I think it was, it was ahead of its time anyway to have a, a, a affluent black family, and um, they made the decision to have Jeffrey as black as well as, as mm. their butler, because apparently it was going to be a white person, and yeah, it was originally going to be a white guy. Yeah, yeah but they were like, no, 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 this, this is not a rate that they just picked the best butler. <laughs> yeah, it's it was that simple. But yeah, it's not, I, it's not as good as my butler. But... No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> as good as Giles. But yeah, um, yeah, excellent pick, mate. Excellent pick. Um, mine's not as um, nuanced as yours. <laughs> um, <laughs> my relationship with comics, bo- comic books, have changed since I was a comic book nerd child. Um, I was wa- now a comic book adult child. <laughs> yes. nerd, yeah, comic book nerd adult now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now you can read. <laughs> no, I, I could read then, mate. If it wasn't for comics, I'd, I'd not be able to read at all. Um, my relationship with comics. Back back in the day, um, was you're excited every mid midweek, every every week a new episode would come out of your favourite books. You had to go into the comic shop. You had to, you couldn't just pick one off the shelf and take that. You had to order them. Do you know what I mean? You had to you had to specifically say these are my runs. I list, I, I read three runs every month. Um, when I'm a book's due and one pound fifty, a lot of money back then as well. <laughs> but yeah, um, basically nowadays. What and I don't want to be. It's it's hard to say. I don't want to be like hoity toity about. It, but we're awash with comic book now. With comic books in general, um, nerd culture yeah. type thing. My relationships changed massively because now I don't have to hide it. I'm yeah. I'm cool now because I know the backstory of certain <laughs> things. I now get paid to talk about comic books. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It, 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 there's a massive difference. Um, I I I. I can go to my wife and say, "Oh yeah, um, Black Widow's out soon. When are we going? Not can we go? When, when I was, a- <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's an event. Um, it's a bigger deal. Like 
people don't realise, uh, and I don't want to be one of those like, you weren't there when I was young, but the younger generation now don't realise how good they've got it. <laughs> they yeah, really don't realise how good they've got it. Totally agree. The comic book movies when I was a kid was just a fucking shite. We had the original. <laughs> we had the original Judge Dredd. <laughs> Superman Four: The Quest Super- for Peace. What really? yeah. Fuck yeah. me. Yeah, the Batman. Some of the Batman films were good, but then we had uh, mm. Batman and Robin. The yeah, short, the Grand Theft and Robin. The yeah. Joel Schumacher era ones. Yeah. Yeah, we, we we had the odd we, we had the odd banger like Blade Two, things like that. Um, but yeah, we but also, then we got Blade Trinity. Then we got Blade Trinity. Yeah. We had the Ninja Turtles films and just just absolute garbage. And we had like. Adapt it. We had Howard the Duck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is... How much money do they spend on that? Exactly. And now, <laughs> now, now, we've got, oh my, oh, what? we've got Guardians of the Galaxy. One, one every other month. With this, <laughs> there's, 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 a new, there's a new multi-million pound show every week on Disney+. Plus. The, the comic books, in the, back to the comic books, you should see what some of these look like. You can get 4K comic books on Comixology. 4K. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the art is oh, it's out of this world. Get your comics in higher resolution than when they were printed on paper. Yeah, it really it's so much better. <laughs> You've got a good iPad and you you read it and you're like, fucking hell. You feel like you could grab you could put your hand in and grab them. Yeah, I'd read mine on my phone. I love it. Yeah, ex- on your phone. <laughs> Do you know what <laughs> I mean? It's incredible. I had to walk, I had to get a bus to the comic shop in, in Wakefield. I had to go, have you got my books in? No, uh, not yet, but you can wait here for two hours till delivery. So I did. <laughs> and, then, and then you'd have to, from what I gather as well, you'd, you'd have to wait a lot longer for the next issue than yes. these days. Yeah. yeah. You, had to, you, had, you had to get, you had what, you, what they called the bo- your box, so it had my name on it. Um, rather than going every week, you, you started getting a bit savvy and thinking, I'm going to go every two months, and I'm going to have a big box of comics, and you just pay for them all at once. You know what I mean? So you had a big... You had a massive collection of it. Now, fucking hell. Honest to God. You don't even have to read them. Some of these digital comics, they're read to you. <laughs> and the pages turn at the same time. And the 69p, because <laughs> it's digital and stuff like that. But the, the, the Marvel still did, I think, they did it in the 90s. I don't know how popular it was, but like I was never big into comics themselves. Like I, re- I read like you know graphic novels when... You probably a, got a the omnibus, didn't you, at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember there was a series of Spider-Man comics where there was one story told over three different lines of the comic. Yes. yes. So there was like the amazing Spider-Man, the incredible Spider-Man and oh, something else. Yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah. And I remember, I remember I picked one up from the newsagents and it says, uh, continued on this date in the, the incredible Spider-Man. And I was reading the amazing Spider-Man. So I would go in and say, do you have this one? He says, well, no, we we get a Spider-Man comic in. Says, yeah. Oh no, it's a different one. Yeah. It's the same story, but it's a different one. And they they used to treat it like shit as well. They go, get that one. It comes with a lollipop on front. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I fuck about this lollipop. I want to know what's happened to Gwen Stacy. She fucking died last week. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it, it was it, like these two books that I've I've, I've like my all-time favorite. I mean, I've got them on the wall and stuff like that. On the Marvel side, it's Ultron Unlimited. The story of Ultron Unlimited is one of my favourite things. As a young man, it was the first time I'd seen atrocity of that level, like destroying um, destroying uh, Slovenia. It was called uh, a, a full not Sokovia. No, not Sokovia. Slovenia, and and how he destroyed it, and that, and just absolute obliteration and stuff like that. And that was that was a Stan Lee book, and Stan Lee wasn't known for murder. No. <laughs> they, they had, do you know what I mean? They had the comic book code, 
And then on the DC <laughs> on the DC side, we had the Garden of Earthly Delights, which is a Swamp Thing comic, where Swamp Thing Swamp Thing is going to court because he's been caught having uh, sexual relations with his human girlfriend, <laughs> and people are saying, "You're not human. You shouldn't be shagging that." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and and how he, he then wreaks havoc on Gotham as revenge, and he turns Gotham into a, a garden. Basically, it's so good, and obviously Batman kicks in, but. Yeah, just and to this day now, like we're, we're awash with just quality, like to the point now where we don't even have comic book writers writing comic books. We have authors because yeah. it's such a mainstream thing. Like some of the most expensive movies ever made are comic book movies. You think back to fucking Masters of the Universe film. My God, <laughs> we could make a better film with our budget. <laughs> you know In fact, I think. The thing that got me thinking when you brought this up, because I think it's a great topic, I wish I picked it now. But I would have gone for it. My version would have been where comics changed, and it's when they got um, when, when, I, when there was blood in them. Yeah, because I mean, I, I don't know if you remember. It's maybe a bit too young for you guys, but there was a comic that came out, an actual magazine comic called Scream in the UK. Yeah, yeah, I know Scream, and it had a lot of horror stories in there yeah. that were drawn by. Um, a lot of artists that did Judge Dredd and stuff like that. But it really pushed the boundaries about what you could get away with in a kid's magazine. And yeah, then, there was no age rating to it either, was there? It's just, you pick it no, up. No, no, exactly. They didn't have that comic book code. Yeah. But yeah, when I eventually got around to reading The Watchmen, because it was released oh, God, so good. as a serialised comic at first, yeah. and then obviously put into the omnibus. So I didn't read it until it was the, the omnibus. Which is the better way but, to read it, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, that that blew my mind just from enjoying comics before yes you had the odd story that pushed boundaries a little bit mm. but that it's cliche but it's true it's an absolute fucking game changer yeah that comic is so fucking good yeah. with a story told within a story you've then got the newspaper clippings in the middle the unreliable narration which is yeah. like the the lore of the background of certain characters it's way better than the, the, the film mystery. isn't it <laughs> Yeah, the mystery as well. It, it was just, it's a fucking game changer. For people that think comics are comics, read that and your life will change. Yeah. And it just opened the world up for other people to suddenly think they can tell any fucking story they like. It doesn't have to be about superhero. It could be anything. Yeah. There's, a, there's two comics that always kind of stand, stand up to me, and you, you get them now as always like special edition hardbacks. Yeah. Um, the coffee book both- table versions. Yeah, they're both they're both Batman ish comics, yeah. both about the Joker. The first one is called Literally Just Joker. It's nothing yeah. to do with the film from twenty nineteen. Yeah. I know which one you mean. Um it's brutal. It doesn't have Batman in it at all. It oh. is literally just about the Joker coming back to Gotham and starting his business up again. And it's brutal. It's one of the most violent comics I've ever read, and it's absolutely brilliant. It has one of my favourite panels of artwork in it as well, and it just shows the Joker sort of being a bit vulnerable at one point and he's just kind of hugging Harley for he's oh, yeah. like knelt down in front of Harley and hugging. I just absolutely love that artwork. The um and the other one is um if, I mean it's the eighties classic, it's the killing joke. Oh mate. Yeah. Why have they not Which done is, that film? Well <laughs> no they have and it was terrible. Yeah that's true. Animated version of it with Mark Hamill doing the yeah. uh, Joker voice and uh, Kevin Conroy doing Batman. Killing Joke but shook was, the world mate. Yeah, yeah kill, Killing Joke is incredible because it's it's the it's the full kind of character character detailing of the Joker where he came from and how unreliable the narrator he is because you get you do get his backstory of how he became the Joker but oh yeah you do you're never sure if he's telling the truth exactly you're yeah. never sure and 
you see like kind of the the depths of his insanity in like what he does to Commissioner Gordon and what happens mm. to Barbara Gordon, how she becomes Oracle and stuff like that. Um, it's absolutely brilliant and not as violent as Joker. No, um, but it's a bit more cerebral, isn't kind of, it? A lot, a lot a bit more cerebral, but very unsettling. And you get those kind of those last panels at the end when Batman's kind of defeated him. Yeah, and he's just on his knees in the rain, laughing. Yeah, and it's just oh, even like reading it, like it's not like you know, there's no voice to it. It's not animated or anything. Just reading it, it's unsettling. Mm. It's incredible. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's what, There's another one uh, which is set in Arkham Asylum. I can't think it might even be called that, but it's just actually it focuses around the inmates as well as the Joker being there. How everybody's going absolutely mad, and it's it's just really dark. Yeah, <laughs> really, really dark. It's that self harm and stuff in that one, isn't there? And yeah, stuff, it's yeah. really, really clever. But it's just kind of like oof, if yeah. if like I mean, I'll, I'll I'll stop talking about comic books now because I could talk about it forever. But if you've never been into it and you want to get into it, I, I suggest Alan Moore. I suggest uh, Stanley after the seventies. When it wasn't like yeah. greetings, true believers. When he, when Stanley <laughs> just decided to be, do you know what? It is the eighties, and get, read X Men because there's not enough love for X Men because of the films. Yeah. Read X Men, honestly, yeah. and any Jim Lee book, any any Jim Lee book, regardless of who he's working for at that time. But yeah, Alan Moore, go for it. But yeah, comic books. So they're different now <laughs> to me <laughs> we're awash with it uh, I'm not saying it's diluted I'm saying it's better it's just a better yeah. world um, because now we don't have to go to Greek mythology Egyptian mythology Norse mythology for our heroes we've made our own and I think that's special we've got our own well to be fair a lot of them are based on those mythologies of course they are yeah but we've made, it, we've made them our own haven't we that's, that's the yeah. nice thing and anyone can make a comic book so do it Gadget What's your next one? Okay, so the next one I'm talking about is role-playing games. Um, for the, uh, Not like D&D or anything like that, although that has changed. My opinion on that has changed. Uh, no, um, I'm talking about uh, video games. Um, so when I was... When I were a wee-in, mm. uh, a little-in, I loved JRPGs. I loved me Final Fantasies. Never heard of it. No. You, you wouldn't have oodles. They're, they're very under the radar. I like me uh, first-person shooters and stuff. Yeah, you're a proper Doom guy, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, I, I love the, um, I love those really stat-heavy Squaresoft uh, JRPGs. I really struggled with CRPGs, so games like uh, Baldur's Gate, um, the early Bethesda I, I ones, like Morrowind. Yeah, like the, the stuff that was actually based on D&D, yeah. oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like, you know, Eye of the Beholder, Ultima, that kind of thing. I really struggled with those because I found, for all the Final Fantasy is really stat-heavy, it's more narrative heavy. Like it pushes you with a story forward. Yeah. Whereas those games kind of drop you in a world and go make your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like they're fairly impenetrable. And I was thinking about it when we were, when we were kind of mulling over the idea for this topic. And like I was thinking back to when my parents bought Baldur's Gate on the PC. It's a fantastic. Oh, game. your parents are gamers, weren't they? Oh, my my parents still are gamers. Yeah. My dad's just my dad's playing through Frostpunk at the minute. Banger. I've heard that's yeah. very good. Banger. Oh, it's a banging game. Um, but yeah, uh, I yeah. So I remember trying to play Baldur's Gate, getting through the opening cutscene, getting through the character creator, just picking things because I didn't know what anything was, <laughs> and then it drops you into the world, and that's the tutorial. It doesn't <laughs> tell you what to do with the game. It's just like go on, work it out. And like the the manual for the like the game was on like fucking twelve CDs, and the manual was impenetrable and stuff like that. And it's just like as a kid, I didn't know how to do that. Whereas like. The Japanese role-playing games, they would kind of hold your hand and they would guide you through the early. They're all on a pad game. as well. 
Yeah, they're all on a pad, so you don't have to learn an entire keyboard and yeah. mouse combination. And, you know, the menus are pretty clearly laid out unless you're looking for the sound options. Um, In the config menu, Biggie. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll you, never you, forget you know, that. Like, like even, with, even with like Final Fantasy VII, like the materia system is actually pretty complicated, but the way it introduces mm. you Damn, to I got it, you. Is is really gradual and like it says, you know, you put this one in here, it'll make this stat higher or might make this stat lower and stuff like that. And you kind of learn the basics of it, and then as you play the game, you learn the nuances of it. Yeah. Um, whereas in the nineties um, and the early two thousands, computer role playing games like PC based ones, they weren't very good with that stuff. Like Morrowind has no tutorial. Like it just drops you in a world and goes, get on then. Don't they drop you off in it's- a boat or something like that? You, you you get off at a dock. You're in Tamriel, and it's yeah. just like go on, do your thing. Yeah. Um. I mean, Oblivion and Skyrim got, did that better. Like as it as the games evolved. Yeah. <laughs> like for, okay, so Fallout. I, I watched um Up Is Not Jumps video on um Fallout is an absolute nightmare. I watched that this just, morning. Just released it. He, <laughs> and this is what also what made me think about this because he talks about your tutorial in Fallout is not a tutorial because you you walk out of the first vault and you're attacked by a rat. The game has not told you how to fight the rat how damage works, how to damage the rat, what the rat will do to you. And you kind of have to spend a half an hour dying several times over to a single level one rat. Can you not romance the rat? No, not at that point. <laughs> I thought that was against your beliefs. It is. <laughs> but yeah, so like in the, in the 90s, they just didn't get that right. Yeah, it's, yeah, um, I know what you mean. So opaque, isn't it? But yeah, but as time's gone on and as I've grown older and slightly less wiser, but slightly more grey and balder, um, <laughs> I find that a lot of JRPGs I find quite impenetrable now. Like, so the the example I would give is Dragon Quest Eleven. Watch I know it's a great your game. words. <laughs> I'm not disputing that it's a good game. I don't have the patience to get into it. Is the problem because to start the game proper, you've got to put about six hours into it. At Twenty. Yeah, but I mean, just to get through the prologue. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's actually, be know? free. <laughs> <laughs> and. Whereas, like, I played through last year, I played through both Disco Elysium and Divinity Original Sin 2, both massive role-playing games. And I played through them really happily, without any issue, learnt on the go, and it was perfect. And yeah, those they games, do do a better they, job at that. They, they do a better job of not only tutorialising, but contextualising. Like, you get mm. a lot of the world pushed right in your face up front. Whereas with Dragon Quest Eleven, it's just like, it starts you off in a very lovely way, Mm. But you are, it, it's very focused on this voiceless character that you have. And you learn His about the Oodles, by the way. <laughs> you learn about the little village he grows up in, but not about the world, not about your reason for being in this. Yeah. You know, D- Disco Elysium, your first 10 minutes are you've got to pick yourself up off the hotel room floor, find all your clothes, try not to die getting your tie down off a ceiling fan. <laughs> and then you're told, oh, by the way, you're a policeman and there's been a, murder, there's been a suicide at the back, go sort it out. Yeah, like, there's a difference. That's within to the it, first ten there? minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Dragon it. Quest takes a long. And a, a lot of JRPGs are very guilty of this. It's why I'm a little bit funny on um, uh, Monster Hunter Stories, which is coming out soon, because it's just like, I know it's probably going to be an excellent game, but do I have the emotional wherewithal to push through the tutorial section of a JRPG now, where I can go back, where I can play uh, Pillars of Eternity, which is again another very impenetrable game, but it does a better job of leading a new PC player through its opening hours mm. um, or, you know, any other number of kind of role-playing games that are out there based in, you know, Western mythologies or based within D&D or anything like that. I wouldn't so, get Scarlet Nexus if I were you. 
No. <laughs> the way you were describing it, it's just like, yeah, I'll hate that. Yeah, get rid of that for that first two hours. And you'll like it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. That's the other thing. There's so many things about, uh, especially JRPGs, where they say, you, you know, you need to get through the first like eight hours to like it. I'm like, that's a bad game. <laughs> I'm I'm really different on that. Like you, you you see me play Peggle. I'm like, ah, oh wow. I'm like that with JRPGs. I'm like, oh oh. And I talk to myself even when the camera's not on. I'm like, oh no, she's gonna betray me. I, 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 oh, I don't know. I just get into the melodrama with it. So I think those hours just fly by for me. But then when I talk yeah. to my friends, I'm like. Are you still playing? Are you still playing um, Bravely Default too? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm eighty hours in. They're like, oh, oh I haven't got past the first five hours. I'm like, what? It's just, I, d- I don't know what it is. I think my mindset's just perfect for it. I think it's more important now as well in the sort of digital world that it is important that they really do get the tutorial aspects of things right as well and not front load everything, but kind of like drip feed it as you go along because you used to buy a physical game and you used to have a manual that you could refer to and i know you can hop online but when you've downloaded a digital game you just want to get on and play it and that's what people expect now before i play.com that's my that's my new manual you click you you go on before (laughs) i play.com and you type in the game and it's a spoiler free starting tips for every single game you could ever imagine but yeah, like the the thing is as well. Like I, I like going back to the older RPGs now, like the older Western RPGs. I never played, I never stuck within the nineties, mm. and it's nice to play them now. Like Baldur's Gate is great, janky as all fuck because it's a very nineties game, but it's great. Oh, you need to get um, into Dungeon Siege. Ooh. Oh, I do love a bit of Dungeon yeah, Siege. Yeah, Dungeon Siege Three. Ooh, you, you're spot on though with them not telling you what to do because I started playing Baldur's Gate on the Switch when it came out. <laughs> go back yeah. to it and. Um, it's all right on that little screen. Don't put it on your telly. No, it's minging, isn't it? <laughs> it's but, minging. But like, you have no idea, like who, what level people are, like yeah. how hard they are. And I just, I, I came across someone randomly in a town, she destroyed, and she just killed us all. And I'm like, that's game over. Like, I, I yeah. didn't even do anything other than talk to them. And she was just kind of like, no rewind feature. She was, either, she was yeah. like, she was like, be on my side or their side. And I was like, well, you seem like a bad guy, and it was just like. <laughs> Maybe if I team up with them against you, we'll win. And no, she's just like attacked me, summoned some demons, killed us all. I was like, oh shit! Like, <laughs> like, like one of the first instructions in Baldur's Gate is just go east. Yeah, it's not yeah. even a proper quest marker. It just says the next town is over to the east. Go there and find something to do. It's like, oh, okay. And you go there and die to rats on the way. That's... Yeah, I got killed by some rats. <laughs> I'm the complete opposite of how I like my uh, role playing games. I like to be directed. I think that's where the JRPGs suit me. These, when I, I played Skyrim like seriously for the first time this year, and I was like, I've not played I was it. like, what the fuck is happening? Where am I going? Who am I? I'm going, bah, bah, bah. I'm, I'm shouting people off the cliff. Apparently, you're not even supposed to blow. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> I was about to say, you know, so, blow a guy off a cliff. I was literally about to say that, blow a guy off a cliff. That's exactly what I'm going to say. But um, there's the title. <laughs> yep, it depends where you live. So, <laughs> Interland. But yeah, um, excellent. Good, good shout with that. Good shout, uh, Candy. Uh, so my second one is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, great film. Um, yeah, so it was released in 2004 during the time Jim Carrey was sort of moving his career where he started to steer it away from his kind of hyperactive slapstick roles and started to take on parts that would kind of showcase his talents more as a serious actor. Um, 
And I'll just read the synopsis. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. But after a painful breakup, Clementine undergoes a procedure to erase memories of her former boyfriend, who's played by Jim Carrey, from her mind. When Joel discovers that Clementine is going to extremes to forget their relationship, he undergoes the same procedure and slowly begins to forget the woman that he loved. Now, when this came out, I was 18 at the time and I hadn't really been in a sort of meaningful relationship. So I just absolutely could not relate to it. I couldn't relate to going to such lengths to try and forget someone. Um, I'd also gone into the film hoping for kind of loony Carey and I, I hadn't previously known anything about the film. So I didn't know it was actually a comedy. Um, and I think, you know, as, as a young person, you think the thought of having the ability to erase memories and neg- negative experiences sounds like an absolute dream come true. When actually in adulthood, in adulthood you realise the importance of your own experiences in shaping the person you become. And if you don't go through the hardships of your, on, of your own, you might find it difficult to kind of empathise with people going through their own struggles. And it, it makes you a better person by learning from your mistakes. And realizing sometimes you're throwing away a good thing, and it, when over something trivial, and you need to kind of take stock and look at your own behavior, and it gives you the tools to kind of help and advise other people. Um, so yeah, I think it, it it takes having been through that kind of experience as an adult to really relate to the film at all. Um, that said, I think I really wish I could erase the memory of telling Kevin Smith that he smelled the way I imagined. If there was a, what? There was a machine. <laughs> the smell of weed. He smelled of weed and links, and that's exactly how I imagine. Which links? Africa. Africa, oh. yeah. <laughs> that's the thing how did he take that? By, dare I ask? In in good humour, I think. I'm not sure he 100 percent heard what I said. Thank God. <laughs> you didn't get a word in here. He talks more than me. He does. Um, but yeah, it's just a really, it's it's not an easy film to watch, especially if you have been through a, you know, especially if you've recently gone through a breakup, but just any kind of re- breakup down of any kind of meaningful relationship, whether that be a partner or a family member or, a you job? know, even a, fr- yeah, or a friend and you, that's just not the kind of thing most children or most young people, I think, are in a position to understand. Or you would think most children are lucky enough to not understand that kind of. I watched it too young too. I was like, "What is this? This is not the mask." Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> see, yeah, see, I did, that's that's what I was hoping for. I didn't look at it like, "Oh, this isn't a slapstick Kerry film." I just didn't get it. I didn't click with it. Yeah, I Everyone with said it, like, I think it's I have so, to it. everyone's like, oh, it's so good, it's so good. And I think if I watched it now, it I is really good. Appreciate it more. Appreciate it more. Uh, but yeah, it's one I've watched. I'm just like, eh, I don't see why everyone loves it so much. I remember after but... it came out and everyone had their hair dyed after it. <laughs> she dyes her hair in it, doesn't she? She does, yeah. No yeah. idea. I can't remember much about it. I just remember not thinking much at the time, but I think that might be due, like, what Candy's touching on and just being you have to kind of be the right age and lived through certain things to kind of get it more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I definitely think I need to revisit it. Yeah. Jim Carrey is actually a, a really wonderful, serious actor as well. Did, did you see the number that... 23? I didn't see that one. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a stinker? Yeah, don't, don't yeah. He's trying so hard to be super serious. You can't, you can be as serious and as good as you want, but if the script is shite, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Mm. I love him in the Truman Show. That's one of my favourite movies of his. Oh, yes. Because I think even though there's a little bit of that Jim Carrey in it, I think 
that portrayal that he pulled off really, I don't know, it it got me in the feels. That film actually made an an actual psychological um, issue in some people that they believed they were in the Truman Show are their own personal ones, and now it's an actual, like, like um, mental illness that people Condition, have, yeah. Which yeah. I mean, is probably what he was beforehand, but now it's got like a a proper. It's got a name yeah, to it. Name to it. I don't. I don't think it's like Trumanitis or something. But yeah. I think Jim Carrey just has that. It's like it's a he's, he's good on man on the he, he he's good when he has a role that's funny, like you say, if the script's good. But there are times when it was just Jim Carrey as Jim Carrey as, and it was just the same kind of bullshit. I'm sorry, but I just. Dropped off him very quickly, and I, I think. So, so are you saying you weren't a fan of Mr. Popper's in... Penguins? <laughs> the what? The, the, the penguin film. You weren't a fan of Mr. Popper's Penguins when he gets a delivery oh. of like forty-five penguins. <laughs> One of oh, the so stupidest <laughs> films I've ever seen. Liar's good. Liar's okay. That was, was kind of the of... drop-off of his career, I think. Liar was when it started to uh, go downhill like, slightly dumb with the comedy. <laughs> don't speak about that. That was a thing. Uh, I mean, when he was the Riddler, I mean, he was almost like playing. He was just playing himself, wasn't he? Yeah, playing himself, playing like the original Batman's Riddler. It was. He wasn't. Really he was playing Caesar Romero's Joker as the Riddler. Yeah. That's what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. I think it's when you see flashes of his actual personality because he struggles quite badly with his mental oh, health. Yeah. I think doesn't yes, he? He's like a manic depressant, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, and I, th- I think he really has struggled quite badly, and. Um, a lot of the films, you know, like Ace Ventura and, and everything, it's easy for him to mask himself and uh, don't just watch be Ace completely Ventura zany. Nowadays. The first Ooh. one, not aged well. Oh no! <laughs> but when you see glimpses of his glimpses of his serious acting, I think, yeah, I can sort of see that he's put a little bit of himself into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's good. It's a good shout, Eternal Sunshine, Spotless Mind. It's it's a profound film. It it changed indie films forever. I think. There was there was there was like a a a look that films yeah. kind of copied after that, and wasn't that an Andy Kaufman? Yeah, yes. yeah, Charlie Charlie Kaufman. I think. Yeah, um, it just it just like changed the landscape of 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 what these multi million pound million dollar actors could do. Like, can we give you fifty thousand dollars and will you do this actual think piece instead? And it turned. <laughs> it, it, I, I think it paid off. I think it paid off. Obviously. He went back to fucking what's it, Evan Almighty and things like that. After you know what I mean, he went back to his roots. Bruce dumb and Almighty. dumber too. Bruce Almighty, that's it. Not Evan Almighty. That's because that's it's, it's one guy, pay, isn't it? paying the mortgage, isn't it? Paying the mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a good shout, Biggie. Yeah, I, the, again, um, something just popped into my head really almost before we started the show. Um, got me thinking about day one releases. Mm. So of, there of was a films, time. Games. I don't know if people can remember, especially with games, was that you got the game out of the box and could play it. I don't know what you mean. Time, what do you mean? The time, the, the time that the company spent developing that game, it was ready generally to launch, to play, to download, to do what you wanted what, you to mean do, to play the game. Free? In its, yes. I don't believe you. Well. But, and then, as soon as the internet, I guess, was invented, Ruined and everything. Games, <laughs> consoles could connect to it, it then became, because I mean, I wasn't a PC player, so I appreciate that PC gamers have had this for many years. They got expansion packs, games. didn't they? They actually had bug yeah, fixes in secretly. And, 
patches and all sorts of things. And they, they bless them, they've had it for years and bless years. Bless them, but... <laughs> like they need it. The master race needs blessing. <laughs> but now for console gamers, we're experiencing that probably for the first time in the last what five years. Big style. Maybe? Big style. Maybe? When was the last yeah, time you turned your console on? We had an update happening. Long, mm. Longer than five years, like back to the PS3 generation. Yeah, like I the, think you're probably right. The seventh generation, because that was the first ones where they were kind of always internet connected. Yeah, built in, yeah. Yeah, and you, you had, obviously the PS5 had its hard disk, uh, PS3 had its hard disk, and the Xbox 360 you could get with a hard disk. Yeah. And it was quite easy mm. for them to just, you know, you know, push out a cheeky little update here. Oh, this, this isn't working. Let's, you know, and they start off, it's just little, throw like maybe a couple of hundred kilobytes. Couple, Don't forget you haven't got unlimited data packages yet. Don't yeah, yeah, that. everything had to be small, and you could only yeah. download so much over Xbox Live. Yeah. It's just like, they'll just pepper them out there. Mm-hmm. And now... The bigger than the ooh. game. <laughs> yeah, Cyberpunk's 60 gigabytes. One patch was bigger than what can fit on a Blu-ray. <laughs> I mean, it's just mad. The best example is, the um, the best example is um, No Man's Sky, where the game released at 2 gigabytes. It is now 75 gigabytes. <laughs> <laughs> What a, what a chuffing growth. But it's just got to that point where I have no confidence in games released day one. I will pretty much, bar the odd one, not pre-order anymore. Mm. Um, I think pre-order bonuses a bit of a joke. But you'll get what a new saying, skin. You know, that, yeah, they're trying to encourage you, but it's what they're offering is pathetic. you get five potions and a new skin. Come on. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> It's a, a theme. different way of gaming now, and I just miss that excitement of getting the game out of the box, playing it, and actually being able to enjoy the game for what it's supposed to be. And yeah, it's I, I, I miss that. I, I miss character bios in the manual. Yeah. You know when you go and you, you and this is the, the adventurer. He was born in this place, or she was born in this place, and it gives you a little bio and everything and there's so many spoilers already just in the character bio <laughs> but the thing is also with this this new way of releasing games is that they put a patch in to fix something but it breaks something else it's just this ongoing loop of fix that that's fucked <laughs> fuck that fix this fuck it. it's just yeah it's welcome to software development I oh, yeah, yeah I can day. imagine <laughs> but I mean Destiny's my favourite I used to um, follow Bungie um, because I was a big fan of the game, but but that was up and down, wasn't it? But the, the, <laughs> but the <laughs> but their, their Twitter was just got ridiculous. It was we just discovered after this patch that this error code of I don't know fucking Badger or Armadillo is now not working. Users are experiencing this. Hot fix will be coming soon, and then two days later we have now fixed that. But here's the new error code, and it was just constant. And I just thought, if you're playing this game, how fucking frustrating must that be that you can't even get going because um, I don't know a big event they've dropped in, but oh, the loot's not actually dropping because we added a hot fix that fuck that. We'll send you some engrams in two yeah, weeks. It's just ridiculous. And I, I, I think it's yeah, it's, I, it's a natural byproduct of games getting more complicated, though. So. Absolutely, it is. But you know what? I will wait for a game to be developed. There's so many games to play, especially my backlog. But it's just take your time. I know there are pressures from shareholders. I get all that. But at the end of the day, what we've seen recently, particularly with COVID as well, is that it's just pushed back development by another year. So all these games that were announced in 2020 that were coming out in 2020 or 21 are now 22, if not 23. Good. It, it's Yeah, take your time. 
Do your game. Get it well, ready to go. There's too many games. I mean, apparently Ratchet and Clank, um, the latest one that came out, Insomniac allegedly have put out a statement a while ago saying that there was no crunch time involved, that it was planned however long it was meant to come out. It was ready to go. It was done. It's out there. It might have the odd little fix that may be needed for whatever, but generally it's done. It's out there. It's, it's, it's ready to play. And, yeah, I miss those days. I mean, I mean, I mean, you get some games that come out that aren't finished, like Monster Hunter Rise got its ending two months after it came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. The, story, the, the story, if you play it through the story, the single player story mode, you just got to a point where it stopped. It wasn't an end, was there? <laughs> no. You <laughs> credits, you, yay. Beat, you beat Magnum Alos, yeah. and then credits. Yeah. Oh, did we it? did we save the world? <laughs> no. Yeah. And then then they released an update with the actual end to the storyline on it because and that, that was a, that was a COVID one. I think that was. They admitted that, though, didn't they? They said that. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they said that up front, like, when pe- like about a day after it came out, they went, oh, yeah, by the way, the end of the story is coming in, like, two months' <laughs> and time. And it's free, don't worry. COVID. <laughs> yeah, it's for a free update. Games are more complicated now than they obviously were. Like, you know, the original Mario was made by, what, 20 people? Mm. Um, and now it's, like, to make a Mario game, it's a team of 250. Yeah. And everything is systems on top of systems on top of systems. So, like, when you get a game... I know we keep ragging out a game like Cyberpunk. That is a game where... All the systems need to work together to get emergent gameplay. So, you know, you have the gravity system, which doesn't work. You've got the weather system, which doesn't work. You've got the traffic system, which doesn't work. And all these things that didn't work together or on, on their own caused the clusterfuck that was cyberpunk because that was rushed out and pushed out. And they thought, oh, we'll get it to this point and then we can patch it on day one. And it kind of didn't work. Yeah. But, you, but when games came on a single disc and came out finished, you didn't get games as complicated as that. But then you have like what Steve was playing, um, Valheim. You know, it was announced, it was early access. Maybe like five people or something. It was designed by a small team, but they were upfront about what it was and that they'll be updating added stuff to it. And to me, if you're going to do a game like that, that's the right way to do it because you've Admit already, it, yeah. Absolutely agree you've already told people that you've lowered their expectations, basically. And actually and you've got a good game out of it, it. you know? Yeah, it's like a lot of indie PC games are like that, like Rust and Ark and stuff like that. They all came out with it says, okay, we've got this really cool idea for a game, but there's like eight of us. So <laughs> here's the first bit in early access. Keep playing, I promise. I get Larry not doing that with uh, Baldur's Gate 3. I keep said Baldur's Gate so many times in this episode. Uh, <laughs> but that, that is out now in early access. The story isn't finished, and there's only like half the classes that they want in there, but you can buy it now and play it. Yeah. And they just keep bolting more stuff onto it. Yeah, which I think is actually a good way to do a lot of big PC game development, especially stuff where it like doesn't have a set narrative that matters, you know. Well, it's certainly better to add things than to overpromise and then take yeah. things away. Like I think Cyberpunk's problem was, yeah, or like Watchdog's problem was when you got those Ubisoft trailers at E3, and then you got that first Watchdog. <laughs> yeah, they were just lying. Yeah, yeah. straight up lying. Yes. Excellent. Good shout, um, Stig. Uh, mine's not going to be a quick one. This one. Uh, Mine's sorry, not going to be a long one. It's going to be a quick one. That's what she said. Words, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about. Uh, it's been mentioned before on the show uh, before, but I want to talk about the Blues Brothers. Yes, um, we keep going back to it because it meant a lot. Again, like Fresh Prince of Bel Air, this isn't something that I hate and I love, or vice versa. This is just something that I watched with my dad when I was younger. I enjoyed it. It was fun, mm. and. As I've grown older, I have grown to appreciate it a lot more. I appreciate its um, 
the likes of John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd more, the music, the the comedy timing, uh, the outstanding like uh, cameo of musicians that they have in there. So you talking um, the likes of James Brown, Aretha Franklin, uh, uh, Ray, is it uh, Ray Charles? Ray Charles, yeah. Ray Charles, yeah, it's in there. Big Motown and, vibes and stuff. Yeah, and it's just kind of, it grows on me more and more and more every time I watch it. And I absolutely love the music in it and it pushed me to appreciate and listen to more music in that genre. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, Jailhouse Rock. Oh. Got me to listen to Elvis's version of Jailhouse Rock. Mm. From there, I I now consider Elvis one of my favorite artists of all time. He's the king. I absolutely, I absolutely love Elvis Presley, and it kind of comes from from this. And but not as when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it was just oh, this is a fun film. Watch my dad. It's funny. It's got songs in it. It's yeah. It's cool. He's swearing it. It still you looked know? good. It still looks good as well. That's the thing. Yeah. As well, so. And like um. I've said this before, but I will forever remember this this film as it reminds me of my dad. My dad, my dad's still alive, but I know that like when the time comes and he does yeah. pass away, this will probably be the first film I sit and watch. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Because it reminds me of a time with my dad, but the film itself, I just appreciate and love more and more. The more, the older I got, the more I loved it, and the more I appreciate it, and the more I like kind of love the characters in it and the the situations and the comedy and the music and that's it really just it's just a film that has grown on me and more and more over time and made me go out there and listen to more kind of rhythm and blues music especially as i've got into my 30s yeah yeah absolutely mate just very quickly you just got me thinking about something you know you said you're a fan of elvis presley Something yeah. that reminded me when I was a kid, I used to watch his movies. It used to be yeah. always on the TV for some reason when I was a kid. Have you ever watched his movies? No, I've, 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 seen, seen, some, I've seen some of them. I don't know if they've aged particularly well, but I just remember them being these sort of... He did a lot of army movies, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, these kind of little st- melodramatic stories, but obviously he had to do singing in them because he was yeah, like... I, I, I want to watch them. I, want, I do want I to wonder watch if they've aged well. He's not a good trying. actor, but... No. He's singing, he, he, apparently, by all accounts, he's singing live on set. Yeah, it does come across and that way. It, yeah, it's really, apparently that's really good, so. There's some that are quite well yeah. renowned. Yeah, some are, uh, some are renowned, aren't there? Yeah, I need to. He's, he's, I, acted, I, he's acted in 31 things, according to IMDb. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, I think they just churned them out, Well, you know, when obviously he was at his peak. 31, 31 credits. I mean, he was here, he's like three a year in the oh, 60s. Dear. Between 1956 and 1969, it's 31 films. Yeah, I need to rewatch the Blues Brothers because we used to have um, a stage version of it on the cruise ships that was really popular. And uh, oh, please tell me you used to play in it. <laughs> no, I'm not that talented. Everybody, but it, it was done really well. It was obviously all the hits, and they obviously have to shorten the the plot to get the show out. But it was done very well. Is there no driving scene in it? Yeah, that's the shit. police car chase. <laughs> <laughs> police car shooting just, off overboard. Did you, but, yeah. did you chuck, chuck the Nazis overboard? Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely, no ticket. I did, I'm a big fan. I have seen it a few times, but I haven't seen it for years. I should really. I still old up. I really should worse. go back it's and watch right that. It's a right laugh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I, just, I just love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Excellent, excellent. Um, my last one is. Oh. It's time for serious oodles now. You're not you're not met this guy. 
Um, quite similar to Gadget's first one. Um, I want to talk about Metallica for a second and how I can't listen to them anymore. You... Many people can't. Yeah, well, not nothing to do with the fact that they're terrible now, but the fact that <laughs> <laughs> the fact other reasons not to listen to them. Yeah, yeah, it stems from abuse actually. So um, oh. yeah, um, as a kid, I, I had uh, an abusive stepdad, and I used to like. I'm not going to get into why and how and whatever, but I used to listen to Metallica as like a because it was really aggressive, isn't it? Like. Rah, rah, you know what I mean? Like, I've talked ad nauseum about And Justice For All being the album that just spoke to me, even though it's, like, probably one of the worst albums, <laughs> especially mixed-wise. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible mixed. It's a great album. Yeah, yeah. I just... He was so aggressive, so frantic and fast and thrash. And I used to, like, listen to it with big cans on and cry because, obviously, shit going off around me and stuff like that. And nowadays, I can't listen to it because it just, like... Breaks my heart. It gets me. It takes me back, and that's what I were going to touch on in more detail if we had more time. That some things I just, I just can't do anymore. I, 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 I the, the memories are too strong. Like, do you ever get that, um, that sense of smell and stuff when you watch yeah. something or yeah, listen to I stuff? Synesthesia. Yeah, and it's really strong with Metallica now. Even like hearing the name, it makes me go. Ugh. You know what I mean? It's, it's awful to think because it's something that I loved. Like truly loved. I like. I used to read the fucking biographies and stuff, and they ain't got a really interesting life <laughs> as a band. You know what I mean? <laughs> Middle class Lars turning up and saying, "So we start a metal band? Yeah, sure. Why not?" <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's 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 one of those things, and it's. I think you still got to, rather than like wash away those memories. You you kind of got to embrace it a little bit, haven't you? Be like. I was just going to say, it depends though, doesn't it? Because it depends yeah, how yeah, it's, yeah. how I can understand how that affected you. And, mm. you know, I, I, I sympathise if that's how you felt. For me, when mm. I went through my angsty period, there's certain music, yeah. like I mentioned about the, the, and the grungy yeah, phase, yeah. I can still listen to that because that is like, if I am put that on, I must be feeling my most melancholic because yeah, for me to yeah. revisit that, considering it's not music that I listen to anymore. But if I put mm. that on, then it's because I'm I'm feeling that way for some reason, and I associate it with that. But yeah, I, I think it must be hard for people to go and see a movie or play a game or something that connects them to something in the past that they rather yeah. forget. That must be really. I mean, hard. don't 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 get me wrong. I had I didn't have the worst upbringing. It's not. No, 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 no. It, it wasn't shockingly bad. People say own it, own it, but I was destined to be an emo just from my upbringing. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. Do you know what I mean? It just happened because, oh, I'm on my own. I'm so individual, <laughs> apart from 10, 10 million other emails saying the same thing. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I, I just think the relationship with, with, with music now is such a different, like, s- exactly same as Gadget, where, yeah, if you, like, I adore Prince now. I never adored Prince as a kid. I wouldn't have been seen, seen dead listening to Prince, but I'm obsessed with him now. Do you know what I mean? It's too late. He's died. Do you know what I mean? But. Yeah, that's what I wanted to mention. And we'll move on from that somber note to the mailbag. Yes, the mailbag this week, um, pretty bulging, given the complicated nature of what we're asking people. Uh, Tricky one. Tiggs, yeah, Tiggs come in saying, it has to be real-time strategy. I bloody love stuff like Command and & Conquer and Age of Empires growing up, building little bases, crushing me neighbours. But video <laughs> games like that are so complicated now with so many systems. I miss simplistic strategy games. 
Yes. I hear that. I hear yes. that one. Same. When you put that, when you put that, I was just like, oh shit, that's such a good example I could have used. Mm. We can just you, yeah. can, you can just hover over all your units and send them to kill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Red Alert, Age of Empires. Yeah. Like I've I played um, Age of Empires two recently. Like six, oh, recently, like six months ago, or something when it came out on Game Pass. It's still amazing, and they've just released Red Absolutely. Alert as well. Uh, yeah. Nowadays, it's just like there's just so much shit you have to kind of. I put I put about deal with two hundred hours into Frank Herbert's June. Which is just oh, you poor bastard! It was just a rip off of Command and Conquer with Sandworms. I was going to say you talk about the movie. Do you came before Command and Conquer? Did it? Oh well, yeah. Command and Conquer is a rip off of you. All right, well there you go. Stop copying. I'm really hoping that Age of Empires Four is just kind of that simplistic thing. Yeah, I I wouldn't hold your breath, mate. You do this. See, so. see, see. I'm on the other side of real time strategy. I really like games like StarCraft. Like, like whereas with Fuck. Command and Command and Conquer and Age of Empires, you're building up kind of a very large army, but you're not really dealing with the micro. You're just kind of like building up an army, keeping a keeping the resources coming in and throwing big armies into the meat grinder. Yeah, yeah. with uh, StarCraft, I like the StarCraft. I like the micro, whereas like you've got small. You know, you you're controlling individual little groups of um and of um. Of little beasties to go and kill. I just I can't be asked to click a mouse anymore because I do that for a living. Oh, no, I, I, need <laughs> I still have my little groups. You know, my archers are oh, here, yeah, yeah. my things are here, my horses and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, but yeah, but the focus with Age of Empires isn't so much on the micro stuff. It's more on like macro strategy. Yeah, yeah. Whereas never uh, play uh, our listener Ben Blast X Ben Blaster X. He's too good. Is it? Oh, Age of Empires. <laughs> yeah, he's too good. <laughs> you can't. You you literally just like oh, I'm doing quite well here, and you just think you start getting your army up, and he's already attacking you with a huge Ben's army. Ben's a warmonger. And I was like, how the fuck have you got this so quickly? You just yeah, he's too I good. Found he's opened up the bios and put cheats in. I found Populous hard when I was a kid, but, Ooh, but I still don't know how to play Civ. But now, I still yeah, don't know how to do Civ. It. I just can't invest. I'd love to invest the time in those. I don't things, know how to do it. Yeah, I don't I just, know what I'm doing. I don't know. Either. Do a little bit of Civ. Uh, Tig goes on to say the same, same goes with RPGs. I want adventure, but I don't want a database of stats and a bazillion rune combinations on all my weapons. Just let me ride a horsey, shoot my bow, and chop up some beasties. So he wants The Witcher 3 on Switch. Yeah, yeah he does. He loves that. <laughs> Gorgeous looking game. I think some of this is I simply don't have I simply don't have the time I had as a nipper. I work away and I'm mostly wiped at the weekend. Family, gym, chores, etc. So these days I stick with adventure games, shooters with friends, and my beloved Pro Evolution Soccer. Oh, I Though I did really enjoy that pocket city on iPad, a stripped-down Sim City that's much more accessible than City Skylines. Ironically, I completed it and dropped off it as it was a bit shallow and simplistic. <laughs> G- genuinely, though, Pocket City is brilliant. Yeah. What it's do you want, Tig? Brilliant. He wants the world. I was going to say he wants everything, doesn't he? Mm. Uh, the Sounds Creepy podcast of, uh, at Sounds Creepy Pod on Twitter come in saying, "Queen of the Dam, two thousand and two. I loved it so much as a teen, and I thought it was perfect." Casting, wardrobe, makeup, soundtrack, cinematography. Well, soundtrack like edema and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's proper new metal. Like it's curated by Jonathan Davis. Static X. <laughs> Static X, yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> is basically flawless in my young eyes. Watched it again a few years back and it's good. It's not. It's surely not the complete masterpiece I remember. Read the books instead. <laughs> I, I remember my, my ex was like obsessed with Queen of the Damned and she's like, it's the greatest thing ever and like she went on about it so much. She said, "All right, show it to me," because I don't give a shit about vampire films that much. You know, it's just like I've seen some. I like them, and I liked Interview with a Vampire. Yeah, I thought that was a good film. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Apart from Keanu Reeves' English accent, <laughs> yeah. but, top quality. Um, that. Yeah, 
And so she she puts on Queen of the Dampers and I sat there for like ninety minutes going, What the fuck am I watching? See, I fall into the category of absolutely worshipping it being the absolute new metal goth that I was when it came out. Static X can do no wrong. Oh oh yeah, you you were purely the target audience, what's sixteen to eighteen year old goth girl in the two thousands. It got me. Is it Stuart Townsend that's Lestat? It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was, oh, it was gorgeous. Oh, gorgeous. Uh, was it Alia as the Queen of the Day? Yeah, dance? and she was brilliant mm-hmm. as that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Akash. A, a I think it's Akash the Queen. I can't remember the name. I haven't read the books in years. But yeah. Yeah. A, a Queen of the Damned was never good. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, best boy Kurt Lewins come in saying, Hi, crew. The only thing I could think of for this was football games, specifically FIFA. I used to love FIFA growing up, and it would be my most anticipated game each year. I would play it more than any other game. I would play the career mode, make up leagues with my mates, loads of stuff. It was great and fun to play too. But when I play it now, I just find it dull. No longer resembles football. To me, it's like a basketball match with play going from one end to the other all the time and matches ending with ridiculous score lines constantly. <laughs> and when I watch people play it, they're just doing this crazy skill with players all the time. It looks ridiculous to me. Football isn't actually like that. I've tried Pro Evolution Soccer, which is better, but still hasn't scratched that same itch that FIFA used to. To me now, the best football game is Football Manager, but obviously you don't control the players in that. This, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I, nearly, I, I hate to agree with Kirk. Me and Kurt are having this real <laughs> on-off relationship at the moment. but uh, Will they, won't they? I, ne- <laughs> I nearly picked this as a topic, and then I saw Kurt's email come in, and I was like, perfect. He won't like Pez that much because there's no Derby City in it or Derby County, whatever the silly no, team is you, you can download the option files and do that anyway. It's not a big issue. The, the menus are atrocious, but it's just the fact that, yeah, football games used to be great fun, whether it was on your own with your mates. And I did play a bit of FIFA recently, and it was fun, but I played against someone It's all about that ultimate team, isn't it, nowadays? That's all I see now is people moaning about ultimate team and not getting the right cards. Oh, my God, I didn't get Pele. I played against a friend's son, and, oh, just the the skills he was pulling off on the pitch. (laughs) No, it's just like, I can't... Yeah, there's, like, finesse moves now where you can do, like, weird... Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's shocking, man. Just play Mario Strikers. I watched my nephew play FIFA twenty, uh, FIFA twenty, when that first came out, and he, he showed us a match, and uh, he was playing his Newcastle, and he won, so I knew it wasn't realistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good shout yeah. for football manager. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the mailbag this week. Excellent, thank you very much. Stig, would you care to do the socials and a sneak peek of what we'll be doing next time? Yes, I can do that. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter at Modern Escapism on there you'll find the link to all of our episodes our socials and our Discord you can find Do Dragons Dream of Scott Sheep at Scott Sheep as I said earlier we're now on to episode 3 tomorrow by the time this comes out uh, if you have any comments you can either tweet us or email us at modernescapismpod at gmail.com uh, gaming streams we like to do them at twitch.tv modernescapism uh, the schedule at the moment is Oodles is playing Banjo Kazooie. No, <laughs> no, is he sacked it off already? Jesus, yeah. sacked, it, sacked it off within an hour of opening the stream. Oh, really? Okay, now yeah, yeah De- De- Debbie Punk's been quiet on the Discord. Ever- I'm assuming e- he's plotting revenge. Ever consistent? <laughs> <laughs> I've completed one game on stream. Still haven't completed the biggest game on there. It's shit. No, I'm not about that one. Oh, oh that's so bad. So Banjo Kazooie does not. That's not good. 
So I played so, pe- I played okay. Peggle instead. <laughs> okay, Oodles will find something to do. Biggie will ca- is carrying on with his Dark Souls streams on Mondays. Uh, Wednesdays, Gadget is doing some retro shooting in Dusk. Oh, yeah. And yeah, um, I, I, I picked up Dusk and a Medieval in the uh, Steam sale, so nice. I figure until we... Until we get back to the corpse streams when uh, the Loki recordings are over, I'll do a bit of retro shooting. Nice, man. I love a 90s style shooter. (laughs) And Candy is doing her creature feature horror stream on Thursdays. She's currently playing Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. And after that, she's doing Five Nights at Freddy's. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I was going to. I haven't played it before. The best thing about... uh, Candy doing the streams on the Thursdays that when this comes out it's fine it's actually what it is there's <laughs> <laughs> no fucking around with the time that we're, we say one thing but actually it didn't happen I, I had to drop off her stream because I suddenly saw how good that game is and I was like you're frightened weren't you I, no so I was like good. I don't want spoilers I, I'm going to play this yeah. I had I'll to play with off. headphones as yeah, well yeah. you have to I, yeah. I was amazed by what I saw there I was like I'm wow like, that looked really good that a sequel to that mm. Yes. Yeah. So sorry, sorry, Candy. Well. I apologise that I had to jump off, but that's quite all right. Don't blame me. Please do play mm. it though. Definitely. Uh, so next week we are jumping the shark. Some say we've <laughs> yeah. already done that. Yep. <laughs> We're going to talk about books, games, TV shows, movies, whatever. Just jump the shark. <laughs> what just went so fucking stupid? I will not have a proper final subject matter for that. I promise I won't bring a prison break. I promise. No. I, I, I deliberately will not bring a prison the break. Prison break two is fine. <laughs> but this is uh, <laughs> this this is probably going to be a ranty episode, and they're always fun. Yeah, yeah. Mm, Game of Thrones should have ended a few seasons too. Oh well, we'll no Game of right saying it right now. No Game of Thrones, <laughs> no prison break because we've done them to death. Oh, <laughs> no, five. Uh, yeah. Oh god, yeah, or Jurassic World, anything like that. <laughs> Ones that we've already ripped into plenty of times. Like, fresh content oh, coming in yeah, your fresh ears. <laughs> no Simpsons. No yes, Simpsons. No Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah I, as ever, leave us five star reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may listen. Thank you very much, and thank you all for listening. Patrons, meet us round the back as usual. But for now, I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Good night. Now the vegans have took over. (laughs) Do you know when every time they get hurt?